one. Super Bowl 55, where the Bucks thrived and the Chiefs cried, unfortunately. Brady got ring number seven as it was Armageddon for Mahomes. We got the Gronk spike and the machine that was Devin White. Casey fought with all their might, but unfortunately for them, it was Tampa's night. Welcome back to the hottest show on sports radio. This is the third and three podcast brought to you by Anchor Radio and presented by the Sports Column. My name is Jason Fearman, and with me are the best teammates in the business, baby. We got Tricky Nikki G in the house and the real deal, Damian Adams. Couldn't wait for this show. Couldn't wait for the Super Bowl. It wasn't what we expected, but here we go. We're ready to rock and roll, guys. Good evening to you, Nikki. Good evening, guys. I am excited. Happy to be back another week. I know we got a lot of hot takes. I am once again buried under some more snow. So uh, go ahead, D. Make me jealous about that Arizona weather again. (laughs) Yeah, now the Arizona weather is really good right now. We got through our little five days of rain that we get per year. Uh, So now we're, we're back to our February wonderful weather. Um, but in a few months, you won't be jealous when it's 115 here. So we just you just got to wait it out a little bit. Then you'll hear me crying in the offseason and you'll be the one making me jealous. <laughs> <laughs> you got that right. You got that right. Although the summers do get pretty hot in New York. But uh, yeah, different type of heat, uh, D, as, uh, as we know, with me here in Miami also. Um, so, yeah, great to be back after last week, after our predictions, breaking down the game, what we thought was going to happen. All this and that. We're going to go back over everything. We had the award show. You know, we got Mount Play a Play coming up. Best playoff moments, knowledge with Nikki, all that great stuff for you. But first, we have to figure out what happened in the game. And we're going to find out who won the awards and if we agree or not. But before even that, we got to give our shout outs, guys. So let me start by giving my shout out to Josh McKinney, editor of At hdr underscore sports he's the host of the four pop i'm sorry the four quarter podcast which you can find on a variety of platforms i'll be a guest on the show next week as a matter of fact and i really look forward to it so we started the year with our predictions and now we'll end the year with what exactly happened so that's my shout out to josh mckinney again at hdr underscore sports great follow great sports guy what do you got today thing so for my shout out, I'm gonna give it to Ty Ray. He is the host of a podcast called Say What? Say It Again. Like it seems like it's a very a podcast yeah. that can really bring out the emotions in people. Say what? 
Say it again. <laughs> so that's so Dope Podcast. You can find them on Twitter at TyRay0424. Again, that's Ty, T-Y-R-A-Y-0424. And his podcast is called Say What, Say It Again on all platforms. Love that. Love that. Yep. Know the show. Excellent job. All right. Uh, Nikki, what do you got for this week? How about our friends over there at I-80 Sports Media? You can find them on Twitter, YouTube, your favorite podcast app. And let me see, follow them at I-80 underscore sports. Absolutely. Yep. Another another team over there does a great job. We support them. They support us. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, There wasn't much support for Patrick Mahomes, and it had Chiefs fans saying, Hey, what happened? What did happen in that? (laughs) And uh, we're going to go over, but like I said, first, let's go over these awards, guys. Um, first was the MVP, naturally. I don't think that there's any dispute, but if there is, let it be heard, as Aaron Rodgers wins his third MVP and the FedEx Air Player, which was a knowledge with Nikki uh, last week, which is funny. So Aaron Rodgers, third MVP. Anybody disagree? Nope. No, no, no disagreement here. Well-deserved. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. One that... Um, you know, Aaron Donald, he wins defensive MVP for the third time himself, all right? And, look, he's a guy, again, who will win it every year. And I'm not mad that he won it at all. I mean, his numbers speak for themselves with the forced fumbles, the sacks, you know, everything. You know, uh, tackles behind the line of scrimmage. You know, Tyron Matthews' numbers, like I've been talking about over the past few weeks, weren't, you know, the greatest numbers as stats-wise. But, you know, it goes beyond that. Um, there are other plays that you can throw into the mix, even – Devin White, who we're going to talk about, who had a spectacular game. But Aaron Donald, yeah, I mean, you really can't take it away from him. But did you guys have anybody else in mind that you thought maybe deserved it? Maybe Jalen Ramsey? I don't know. So you did you see J.J. Watt uh, coming to the defense of his brother saying T.J. Watt deserved it? What did you think of that? Oh, you know what? No, I didn't hear that, uh, D. I didn't. So, yeah, didn't. so J.J. Um, Watt came on Twitter. He put up their numbers and – T.J. Watt does have better numbers side-by-side with Aaron Donald, right? And for me, it was like, okay, I get it. It's your younger brother. He is a very great defensive player. And for a while there, he was one of the main sources for Pittsburgh being 11-0 and having the top defense in the league through the midpoint of the season. But with Aaron Donald, he is the reason Rams' defense was number one, right? Double, triple-teamed double team getting chipped by the running back doing this all from the defensive tackle position with TJ. He was great, but once Bud Dupree got hurt and they had other linebackers go down, you saw that defense go down. He wasn't able to keep that defense up like an Aaron Donald can. If things will go right around him. Once Aaron Donald got hurt, that's when you saw the Rams defense not be the same against you know, once he got hurt against Seattle, against Green Bay, that defense wasn't the same. So I think Aaron Donald does deserve defensive player of the year. His numbers don't show his full impact that he has because he frees up everybody else so much. So I respect J.J. Watt for coming out and, you know, representing for his brother. But I got to go with Aaron Donald as being the right winner for a defensive player of the year. Yeah, Nikki, before I go to you, I mean, uh, I, you know, you come out in defense to your little brother. I mean, yeah, that's kind of like big brother protection thing. That's all right. As long as he didn't take any shots at Aaron Donald, um, I'm okay with it. I really don't have that much of an issue with it. But as far as Aaron Donald winning again, you made the points, uh, Damien, that the fact that a lot of his stats don't show up and his stats sheet is filled completely, Nikki. So 
Um, yeah, again, that's why I have absolutely no problem with giving it to him. And I like that style that the NFL goes by way more than the NBA, where they think, well, it's this guy's turn or it's that guy's turn or whatever. Now they, they go with the best player every year. As they should. The best should win. That is it. Now it's your turn. So what? Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> best should win. But I totally get sticking up for your sibling. So I, I get that. But no, may the best man win. That's why That's why when you do win, it makes it that much sweeter, right? Like if we had podcasting awards and I was like, oh, Jay, it's your turn this year. Like you'd be like, right. But if you were right. really the best, then it makes it that much better. There you go. It makes sense. Look, give it to the best. You know, that's why LeBron James should win it every year. But, uh, you know, sometimes he don't. Hey, hey. That, that's how it goes. Michael Jordan could have had 10, but that's another story. A guy who could have challenged Aaron Rodgers, if there was any, for MVP was Derrick Henry because he ran for over 2,000 yards. I don't know of a running back who did that and didn't win the MVP, but because Aaron Rodgers had these astronomical numbers, 48 touchdowns, five uh, interceptions, Derrick Henry did get the FedEx ground player of the year and the offensive player of the year. So he certainly deserved that. Um, there's no, there's no doubt in my mind. I can't think of another player who would again, running over 2000 yards, but yeah, again, if there were any arguments to be made, Nikki, I guess it would be that over Aaron Rodgers, but I'm still satisfied with the way it turned out. I am too. And my, what, my one prediction came true. I'll we'll wait till you get there. Oh, that's right. <laughs> well done. Yes. And it did come true. You're hundred percent right. Damien, what do you think though about, um, you know, uh, Derrick Henry, Offensive Player of the Year, FedEx Ground Player of the Year, you know, whatever you want to make of that. But, yeah, Offensive Player of the Year, not MVP. You cool with it? Yeah, because Aaron Rodgers had one of the best seasons of all time from the QP position. And we know that the MVP award is predisposed to be to a QB. That's regular season or Super Bowl, which we'll get to later on. Um, But as far as FedEx Ground Player of the Year, yeah, you couldn't choose anybody else for pretty much the running back of the year awards was that awards pretty much for yeah it had to be Derrick Henry Derrick Henry carried that team carried that team offensively and the team's defense wasn't that good this year so the only reason that they were a playoff team was the fact that they had a running game that could control the game in that way so Derrick Henry definitely deserves all the accolades that he gets absolutely another mind blower why Arthur Smith all of a sudden is and uh is with the Falcons but again that's another story (laughs) another day Alex Smith, comeback player of the year. We knew that was going to happen just based off of how he came back. It's incredible. Justin Herbert, rookie of the year, 4,336 yards, 31 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. You guys know I talked up Justin Jefferson, who I love. He had 88 catches, 1,400 yards, seven touchdowns, broke uh, Randy Moss's rookie record, I believe it was, for Minnesota. Um, but again, like you said, it's quarterback centric, Damien. So they gave it to Herbert. Um, but I don't know, man, I mean, for a rookie to do that, a wide receiver, I mean, I know it's a passing league. It it made it very hard for me to not vote for Justin Jefferson, but I get why they went with Herbert. It makes sense. Yeah, no, um, Herbert definitely deserved the award, but yeah, you feel like Justin Jefferson should get something for that type of season as a rookie. Uh, normally he would, you know, you wouldn't have a quarterback that stands out this much, but Justin Herbert came in the circumstances in which he came in and balled out also goes towards that, right? He literally learns before his first start, maybe a minute before that he's going in and goes in and balls out. So I think Justin Herbert definitely deserves rookie of the year offensively. Um, But Justin Jefferson is definitely duly noted what he's done and what we 
you know, are looking forward to in his future. Yeah, no doubt. His name was brought up uh, continuously during this. I talked about James Robinson, Nikki, uh, but yeah, ultimately Justin Herbert. And I, I know you agree that uh, he, he deserves this. Oh yeah, he absolutely does. Um, in cases like this, you almost do wish there was like another award you could give. Not, not necessarily like second place, but D, you're very good at this stuff. I'm sure you'll come up with something and submit it to the league. For <laughs> Love it. Love it. Hey, speaking of Nikki's predictions, uh, somebody won Defensive Rookie of the Year and won by a landslide, as it turned out. Chase Young over there did an unbelievable job as a rookie anchoring the Washington uh, defensive line, which got them into the playoffs. So, uh, yeah, I picked Patrick Queen for Baltimore and he had a great year. You know, nothing taken away from him. But Chase Young certainly dominated Nikki. Nailed it. Feels good. I <laughs> failed like everything else. <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah, you're definitely not a fail. Definitely not a fail on a lot on a lot of things that you said this year. You were point. You're really, you know, you were on point with a lot of stuff. But yeah, Chase Young, total domination, Damien. Yeah, no, he is an absolute monster. Uh, I, you know, Nikki was on point with that prediction, and I can't wait to see what he does in the future here, especially with a good defensive line like Washington has. It won't be all on him. He won't get the double, triple teams going forward because they have other weapons on that defensive line. So we could see him have some really freakish years um, there at the defensive line, maybe like a Javon Curse had back in the day. So you may see those type of numbers. Very interesting. Very interesting. Maybe the next Aaron Donald. I don't know. We'll see. Another one that you called, Damien, uh, you know, somewhere mid-season, but uh, we were going over our coaching list and who should be coach of the year. I think you had Kevin Stefanski at one who ended up winning. And I'm not going to argue that at all. I mean, he turned a 6-10 and team into an 11-5 team. One game he wasn't even there, went to the playoffs, won a game. So, I mean, doing that for Cleveland is incredible in itself. So that's like an automatic win. But, you know, other guys will come to mind like, uh, you know, Sean McDermott or even Matt LaFleur. So, uh, Nikki, let me go to you first. What do you think about Kevin Stefanski winning coach of the year? Yeah, no, I have no problem with that. Just <laughs> look at where that team was, right? <laughs> like where it is now. I have no problem with that. Um, I'm glad you got that prediction right because – Oh man, I can't wait to rectify it this year. Cause you know, I took Mike McCarthy for that prediction and that shit's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. Do you on board with us? Stefanski uh, bringing a winning culture possibly back to Cleveland. Yeah, definitely. That gives you extra points. Like I said, when we were doing our coach of the year, like halfway through the year predictions, Kevin Stefanski gets extra points. When you take a franchise, that's just known for losing and you change the culture and you get them to the playoffs and they win a playoff game in that fashion in which they won the playoff game, they definitely get extra points for that. So Kevin Stefanski was my pick for coach of the year. And I think it's well-deserved. Yep. No doubt. Good, good choice, man. Very well done. Perhaps the most coveted award out of all of these players for what they do off the field is the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award, which is probably my favorite. And this year, it goes to a guy who Nikki and I vouched for earlier in the year on the field. And I've always said off the field, that's why I can't help but to love what this guy does. And that's Russell Wilson, his work with Children's Hospitals and the Why Not You Foundation. I mean, he's incredible. He's a philanthropist. He does everything, you know, so... Walter Payton, man of the year, obviously off the field, but I can't think of a better guy I would go to, Damien. 
Yeah, no, he does amazing, amazing stuff. And the money that him and his wife, Sierra, have donated to fight against hunger and to help out when they've been, you know, even like a natural disaster or whatever's going on that needs help, him and Sierra seem to be in the forefront of that. So not only, you know, does he deserve the reward, but she should be right there standing with him as far as what I see mostly is them doing it together. And I love it. I love, you know, these guys, you know, they work really hard, but it is a privilege to play professional football and make millions. And I love it when they recognize that and give back, you know, because they recognize that they get played, they get paid millions to play a game. And the fact that, you know, you got people out here who are struggling and they can help out in a major way and they do that. So I always love that, man. So big ups to Russell Wilson and Sierra. Yeah. And, and, you know, if people can say, oh, they want Nikki. Oh, well, you know, they got so much money or it could be a tax write off of this. You know what? Not everybody with his kind of money and, you know, what people with less money do it. And people who have a lot more money don't do anything. So that just goes to show you, like, again, including Sierra, you know, what what they represent and what kind of people they are. Yeah, no, that's 100 percent right. Um I think we all probably know people who probably could do more and they don't. Um, and that's okay. That's their prerogative. But um, there's lots of us who do do things and we don't show it or ask for, you know, credit or anything. And I think that's why this award is so great because it lets you in like behind the scenes a little bit of what these players do for their communities and charities that they hold close to them. And it's really, really cool to see. And it's not like braggadocious or anything like that. So it's, it's humbling and it is, you know, positive stories that we need every once in a while. Yeah, no doubt. Well said. And uh, I believe this will probably be a question on knowledge with Nikki next year around this time. We'll see, you know, who won the Walter Payton man. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, to run through the rest of them real quick, uh, Brian Dable of the Bills wins uh, assistant coach of the year. Um, He he ran the offense, left Sean McDermott to run the defense. So he certainly did a great job and will be a head coach one day. Clutch play of the year, I guess, I mean, there was nowhere else to go but the Hale Murray, obviously. I mean, there was other great plays, don't get me wrong, but that one was miraculous end-to-end the game, and we've talked about that play already at nauseum. One I found interesting, and I don't even know how they calculate this, maybe Damian, you know, was the fantasy player of the year. It went to Josh Allen, and I wouldn't have thought that immediately. Well, yeah, when you think about Josh Allen, you got to think about the throwing and the running that he does. Um, so for him, I can see why he would have the most points. They probably use NFL.com fantasy um, to calculate the points. And I can see him having the most this year. Because think about last year was Lamar Jackson with his running and passing the ball. Um, right. So, yeah, I can see Josh Allen taking that torch this year with the way he passed it, improved in passing the ball and took that quantum <laughs> leap. so yeah i could definitely see why he won the fantasy award this year all right makes sense to you nick yeah oh absolutely all right all right hey you guys know i talk very highly at teddy bridgewater and that's because he's a guy who keeps his mouth shut when he doesn't need to open it but opens his mouth when it is definitely needed and that's teddy bridgewater a guy who's got respect all around the league, and he won the Art Rooney Sportsmanship Award. So I think that's fantastic. Everybody's a fan of Teddy Bridgewater. So that's great for him, even if he doesn't actually start for Carolina next year. That's another story that maybe we'll get into later. We'll see. Um, there was also the Holy Shit Award, 
the play that blew your mind away at some point during the year was something by maybe Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Derrick Henry, stiff arm, any play that stood out to you guys. I mean, the one that keeps sticking out to me is the Derrick Henry stiff arm. I think about that. I, I mean, now after the Super Bowl that we'll get into, I think about the horizontal Hail Mary that Patrick Mahomes pulled off. I mean, there's a lot of plays that can stand out, but the, you know, uh, DK Metcalf uh, getting uh, Buddha Baker, you know, stuff like that. Anything stand out to either one of you guys? Yeah, that was the one I was going to bring up was DK Metcalf chasing down Buddha Baker. That, that was nuts because Buddha Baker is not slow. Like he's one of the fastest no. guys in the league. And for DK Metcalf to be able to chase him down like that and to see somebody take those long strides like that and just see him gaining yards like that and to chase him down and the effort it takes to chase somebody down. Cause you are, you can easily give up on that play. Cause he has the angle. Once somebody gets a pick like that and they're, they catch it in stride. Most cornerbacks and safeties in the league are gone. So for him to not give up on the play and to catch him and they stopped them. They didn't let them score. Arizona made a horrible decision to go for it on four yeah. down That's after right. that possession and didn't get in. So that him catching him saved points ultimately. So that was a great play. And that was probably my, my holy shit. He really came back and caught that guy <laughs> <laughs> play of the year for me. I love it. I love it. Yeah. We can point to some plays that, you know, maybe uh, Lamar Jackson, uh, you know, pulled out, but Nikki, anything popped to your mind? Oh, that Derrick Henry stiff arm was pretty damn good. Oh, God, it was great. It was great. I mean, when you physically have the strength to throw another warrior field all the way off the field, I mean, I don't even know what to say. That that really is something else, really. Yeah, so I just wanted to go through a couple of those. It was a remarkable year with many plays to go through. Um, yeah, uh, real quick, uh, just getting away from football, the national anthem, something that I really don't know why is played before every game, and that is, again, another topic i guess that we can have uh, at another time if you want or even jump into it now for a second or two but i don't even know why that became a thing to begin with necessarily it's it's a game so i don't even see why they have it but nevertheless they do as we all know and they do it before every game whether it's a super bowl or game one of the regular season and the dallas mavericks have decided not to play it anymore i don't know if it's for you know again cultural reasons whatever it may be i haven't read into it too much damien but this is certainly a big step for an organization that may be trying to take a stance on something that I'm not fully aware of yet. I don't know. Yeah, I definitely want to hear from Mark Cuban on exactly why he doesn't want to play it. I get it. Like from my standpoint, if I owned a team at this point, it seems just to be something to fight over. Like it doesn't have the <laughs> effect of, you know, that just, brings everybody together to start the game. It used to be, okay, boom, this is our moment to celebrate people in the service and veterans with the anthem. But now it's become something where people, if they're kneeling, if they're not kneeling, you know, who's there, who's not there. It's not about the anthem anymore. It's about what people are doing during the anthem now. So I get why Mark Cuban feels this way. And just to give you a little background, you said, like, why is it played? I don't remember exactly when they started playing it. But I do remember when football players had to come out during the anthem. They used to be be able to be back in their locker room and would come out afterwards. So I was in the military when the military started paying to have the national anthem played on TV. And it became a thing where 
they were trying to recruit more people to join the army, Navy, Marines, Coast Guard, etc. cetera. Hmm. And it was never, that's why for me, when people were so angry about Kaepernick, I was like, really? <laughs> this didn't even start organically. It started because the military paid you guys to show this patriotism, quote unquote, so that they could recruit more people to the military. So that's why I always was so out against people saying that they were so angry with Kaepernick when they were never that patriotic to begin with. The hypocrisy of it all just really irked my nerves. But for me, if Mark Cuban doesn't want to play it, I don't think it should be a big deal, honestly. You know, no, I don't think it is a big deal, to be honest at all. Like I said, I don't even know why they do play it. You don't have to include that patriotism or, you know, whatever you want to call it inside of it. That's my own opinion. Um, It's a game. I mean, they're getting played. I mean, they're getting paid, but... I mean, does every company in the world do that before they start their day at work or, or do the Pledge of Allegiance? I mean, it's it's really kind of twisted for me. So I'm cool with them doing it. I'm, ho- I'm hoping that more teams follow suit. And the one thing you said, Dean, not the one thing, you said a lot of great things, but it would definitely cause less problems. I mean, you know, maybe in the beginning, you know, if teams aren't doing it and some take a stance, Maybe it could cause more problems. Hopefully it doesn't go the opposite way, but I'm totally cool with it. And it makes sense. And it also cuts out time. I mean, nobody really sits around to listen to it. You know, that's when you go to the bathroom or go get your drinks or whatever and everything like that. So Nikki, uh, your opinion, I would love to hear in full. What are your thoughts about this whole thing? I mean, they should have just got rid of it after Whitney Houston sung it because nobody's (laughs) done it better. Like nobody. (laughs) Um, that's very true. <laughs> I, I generally don't really care. Um, I know that <laughs> sounds terrible. Um, the only thing I would say is, um, the national anthem probably means different things to different people. And I'm not a fan of taking somebody's choice away. I do understand that in the long run, that might be better to just eliminate it all and everybody's on the same page and it's not political or what have you. We can just, you know, watch the football game or the basketball game. Um, but for me, if somebody wants to stand and honor, you know, the servicemen and women, then I feel like they have, should be able to make that decision. Oh, yeah. I mean, that part I don't have a problem with. You know, I mean, obviously it would be odd if only some people came out and some stayed in the locker room. You know, again, we're we're looking to not have controversy. So I'm hoping that's not what the Mavericks have started. over. What about the people who want like what if there's people on the team who who want to stand for the national anthem? And now it's like, well, no, we're not doing it. I wonder if that's going to cause a problem. That's what I'm saying. This, Damien, this is a Pandora's box of, you know, what what could possibly happen over here, even though we agree that this doesn't have to be played. And again, it, it shouldn't be part of sports. Like I said, I mean, what other company or what other business actually does this except for sports? So it doesn't really go together, except for, like you said, if you're wanting to recruit. I mean, there are billions of other ways they can do that now. But I, I don't know. D, go ahead. What, what do you think as you know, regarding what Nikki said? Yeah, no, I definitely understand that part of it. Me being somebody who was in the military, for me, I've been conflicted at sporting events, right? I've gone to sporting events as fan, as a fan and also as a media member. And I've been there where after, because I never thought about it before. Like, I never thought about kneeling during the National Anthem or sitting before Kaepernick did it. Like, it was something that was automatic. Like, my dad was in the military, I had other family members in the military, so I always stood. 
And then once he sat down and nailed and you start doing research and you find out about the part of the anthem that's not played, yeah. that, you know, that definitely wasn't something that was uh, very favorable to minorities. you like, okay, I can see why people felt a certain way about this song being played before sporting, uh, sporting events, especially sporting events that are made up of mostly black people. You're like, okay, I can see why people felt that way. Uh, now, if you want to stand an anthem to honor the veterans and honor people who served, I get it. But there's other ways to do that as well. You can donate to, you know, causes to help homeless veterans. You can do so much and it has so much more that's way more helpful than standing during an anthem or, you know, having your flag over your head or doing whatever it is. Like, I'm going to tell a quick story that made me realize just how how fake most of it is. So I remember the season that Kaepernick started kneeling. The Saints were playing the Raiders the first week. I'm in California at the time. I'm a Saints fan. A lot of my work friends are Raiders fans. So we're like, are right, we going to go to the bar, watch the game? And the first time in my life, they play national anthem at the bar. The owner is yelling for everybody to stand up their national anthem. What? Yes. Like really? at the bar, yelling for people to stand up. Everybody stands up. And for me, it was the first time in my life where I didn't want to stand up. And it was something like, this is, the, this is what it can cause. Right. So I see why Mark Cuban feels this way. So for me, it's like, if you want to, if you feel a way about it not being played because you want to stand and honor the veterans and people that served and just show your love for the country, there's other ways to do it that are way more impactful than you standing during a national anthem before a basketball game or a football game. No, I, I certainly agree with that. There's no doubt about it. You know, like I said, I, I fall on the side of why have it. And then if you do, you know, it's caused problems that not, you know, again, not intentionally by Colin Kaepernick in that way, he was trying to bring awareness and, you know, look what happens, you know, so even good intentions, unfortunately, bring out, you know, bad consequences. And I'm just, again, hoping that that does not happen here. And I wonder how the NBA will respond. We'll, we'll see. Um, all right. Moving to that, you know, that's a very interesting topic. I want to talk to you guys more about that during another show. That doubt. Uh, one more thing in neighborhood news before we get to our applause and tomatoes of the week. Uh, Houston, if it wasn't, you know, a problem already, you got major ones with Jamie Roots. Now the team president resigns from the Houston Texans. Longtime employees are being fired or leaving on their own. It's really just amazing what's going on over there. And obviously Deshaun Watson is, is completely had it. So, you know, we've gone through the Watson thing a whole bunch of times. Let's, let me just put it in a different context now. Nikki, you're, you're Houston management. And I actually texted us out, uh, not, I'm sorry, tweeted that a little while ago and got, you know, some responses or whatever or whatnot. But here you go. You're Houston management. You got a guy who clearly doesn't want to be there, and he's the main major part of your team, all right? You know that if you keep him, he's going to be unhappy. There's almost 100% of that, almost a guarantee, which is going to translate on the field to him not playing as well. You know that you can get a whole bunch for him, whether it's three first rounders, whatever, whatever it is. You're going to get a lot back for him, and you can start to rebuild and do different things over there, and maybe they'll get it right for once. So the bottom line is, if I were the employer of a business, and I knew that I had a good employee, but he did not want to be here, 
I would have a talk with him and say, you know what? I understand you're unhappy over here. Let's part ways. Let's move on. So that's the only thing left to do at this point. You're not going to get the best out of Deshaun Watson, Nikki. And their only option left is to trade him. I think they have to. I know we talked about this as the relationship broken beyond repair. I think we were all in agreement. Yes, it is, unless, you know, the contract states otherwise. But, you know, that's the thing. The organization didn't talk to him. And then they only talked to him just to kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, let's take your ideas into consideration. Let's throw your list out. Like, first of all, I don't even know who runs a business like this. Like, if you're top employees your top players whoever are coming to you like hey i think there's some ways we can improve this why would you not listen like so no i if i'm management i'm cutting ties i'm getting rid of it i am moving on and trying to right the ship because the damage is done and when damage is done like you just can't come back from certain things no you can't and look we all know that deshaun watson's top four top five at worst quarterback in the nfl so of course you don't want to get rid of him but this is just, again, a situation that is not going to work out, and it probably never will. Like you said, Nikki, the damage is done. So, Damien, you just go ahead and get every get the best offer you possibly can. It will be a lot. There's no doubt about it, even though teams know that they have to – that they basically have to trade Deshaun Watson at this point. They're still going to get plenty of offers all over the place because there are a lot of teams that we don't realize need quarterbacks. So, uh, again, with what Nikki said and with what I said – I don't think there's anywhere else left to turn. Yeah, it seems like it's a true dumpster fire there. And, you know, you don't want gold in the fire, right? Just make sure he gets out of there. So where, you know, we're not having a precious jewel get burned here. Uh, It's for me, I do have one bone to pick with Deshaun Watson. Okay. It, It couldn't just have gotten this bad. Like there had to be signs leading up to this showing how bad the organization is. And he still signed that long-term deal with them. So for me, it's like, why did you sign that? Do you understand in football, you can get hurt at any time you want the security, but you can, before you even sign the deal, you can say, hey, I want out. And then as you know, you can be a free agent or they have to franchise you. And from that point, maybe it's easier to trade you or, it's something that you don't have a trade clause, so you can get traded easier. And for him now with the trade clause, you're going to get good trade options, right? And teams are going to throw a lot at them, but they're going to be stubborn. They don't want to give him up. And plus he has a no trade clause. So he's going to be certain teams that's going to throw everything. And he's like, nah, I don't want to go there. I don't want to deal with the weather that Nikki's done with right now. I don't <laughs> want to go there, right? <laughs> so there's going to be times where that happens. So I think Deshaun Watson also does get... He, great guy, so I understand why nobody's putting any blame on him. But I do think he deserves a little blame in the situation because he signed that long-term deal with a team that it had, there had to be signs before this that his organization just was bad, and he decided to sign on long-term with this organization. Well, that's a great point that you bring out, and it's, it's ironic that that's happened you know, recently with you know, Wentz and Goff. And, uh, and some others. So you're right. I mean, there had to be some sort of trust when he signed this last year in September, I believe it was, feeling like they're going to do something. Otherwise, why sign the contract other than money, which I get. But now, like you say, 180, it flip-flops. Yeah, so this look, 
like I always say, every story is a two-story house. You know, you have one story, then you have the other story. So you put them on top and somewhere there's the truth. And again, I'm not blaming, you know, Deshaun Watson or anybody for that matter. I'm not inside the room, but I get totally what you're saying. And yeah, it can't just all be one person or one group. So I get it. He signed for a big contract and, you know, I guess he's not holding up to his commitment as part of the deal uh, for whatever reason it is, you know, if again, not getting along in the front office, that's just going to kill you. There's no doubt. So I do get it. I do get it, Nikki. So we'll, we'll see what happens with that, but uh, let's move on to, uh, before we get to start breaking down the game over here. We have our applause and tomatoes section of the week. We can go anywhere. We know we're starting with tomatoes first, so let's get this out of the way. And Nikki, Nikki, as always, I give you the honors of throwing the first tomato. Thank you. I will throw the first tomato after we take a quick 30-second break. Okay, sounds good. stuff you may be wondering why we're playing new kids on the block and that's because we've made it all the way to letter n in the alphabet soup of the third and three podcast musical over here with me jason fearman damian adams and tricky nikki g in the house anchor radio we thank you the sports column we love you www.thesportscol.com go over there write an article get it submitted and let's get this bad boy going over here. So, yep, we're on the letter N today. I had a whole bunch of choices. And, damn, man, I mean, I could have gone through, I mean, like Nelly I was thinking of, guys. I know, Damien, we're going to play yours later. But ultimately, I had to bring it back old school and went with Nas. So, Nikki really brought it back old school with yeah. NK. <laughs> oh man i was the biggest new kids on the block fan like i had the dolls the posters like like i was obsessed it was crazy like my <laughs> barbies played with the new kids on the block doll like she that's who she dated she didn't date ken because you know <laughs> wow <laughs> until my brother would come in with his gi joes and just totally like ruin the whole thing Oh, yeah, yeah, the G.I. Joes, yeah, they're terrible. He used to just drop in on the Barbie dream house, like his Ninja Turtles. You know, I mean, come on. I don't need this in my life. (laughs) They were there to protect the house. That's what it was about. They had to fight crime. It's all good. It's all good. (laughs) All right, guys, third and three podcast, kicking your ass. Here we go, segment two. We got applause and tomatoes. Like I said, we do tomatoes first over here because Nikki insists upon it. So we're going to get to it right now. Let's hit them up. All right. My tomatoes. Again, I got issues with these marketing companies. And D, I know you said last week, like, why, you know, there's no need for these big companies to do commercials. You guys, I was so bummed with the commercials this year. 
like none of them stuck out to me like maybe bud light legends a little bit and i do like the progressive you are not your parents commercial i think that's pretty funny and they changed it up a little bit but for the rest of them like i was just like not into these commercials and here's the thing it's 2021 when commercials come on we are all scrolling on our phones so why aren't you like paying Twitter and putting your ad in there because we're all scrolling through our timelines, tweeting about the game, retweeting. You know whose ads I saw the most? H&R Block. That's who I saw the most <laughs> on Twitter. So you know what? I feel like that was a like that was just a giant miss. I don't know how you don't capitalize when things are right. Just take the low hanging fruit, take it and make the money. I just who are these marketing people? Who are these ad companies? I need to know what's going on because it infuriates me like every week. Yeah, they need your help uh, big time because you know I'm listen, guys. I'm not not much of a commercial guy with the Super Bowl. I don't, I could really care less. But I was in a quiet environment, so I watched it, and then I see Matthew McConaughey walking around like a piece of paper, and they yeah, blow up a, a Dorito machine. No, I'm with you. Uh, I did watch a lot of them, and now one of them. I, I remember. I remember turning to my friend. I'm like, Have you seen one good commercial yet? He goes, As a matter of fact, no. I wasn't really thinking about it, but. You're right, Nikki. I'm with you 100. percent I don't know, Damien, if you saw any good ones. I I really didn't. It was horrible. Yeah, no, there weren't any commercials really that were great. The only one that stood out to me that I found somewhat funny was the Cheetos commercial with um, what's the actor's name? Austin Kusher and uh, Shaggy. I thought that was kind of funny. Oh but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but outside of that one, yeah, none of them really stood out. It was a weak year for the commercials. And it was a weak year for the ratings. It was the lowest rated Super Bowl in quite a while, which no. was surprising with, you know, you would expect less Super Bowl parties. So you have more people watching it alone. But I guess that makes sense because a lot of people that go to Super Bowl parties aren't the real fans. So you only had the real fans uh-huh. watching this year instead of having the major parties, right? So you had, you know, four or five, six people watching it that really want to watch the game instead of having 20 at your house and 15 people just not really watching the game. So for me, that's smart on Nikki's part. Yeah, you should pay to have commercials on social media during big events because everybody wants to put out their reactions to it. So that's a really good call out there on Tomatoes. That's why Nikki's ahead of the game all the time. All, all the time. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's that's a really good call. Yeah. Uh, yep. Uh, total mystery. Um, yeah, totally baffled me. But then again, I don't care about the commercials. But Nikki nailed it. It was awful. Awful. All right, D, it's your turn, bro. So I'm throwing my tomatoes at whoever advised the weekend to spend $7 million on a halftime show. Yeah. (laughs) I was wondering who was going to bring that up first. (laughs) So for me, I'm like, I can see what costs money because he had a million dancers. You got to pay them people. And they did the whole thing where he went behind the stage and he had the lights and then the dancers came out when he was at the lights and he's holding the camera. First of all, if you're paying $7 million extra, why do you have to hold the camera? <laughs> like, there's a, like, should be somebody there holding the camera and doing all the things that you want to do with the camera. So now we just got these funny memes yeah. of him running with the camera. I saw a hilarious one. It said, this, is, this was Patrick Mahomes in the pocket and it was the weekend <laughs> <laughs> running with the camera. So it's it wasn't worth it, right? He could have had the normal budget and still got the same point across. I'm pretty sure it's still going to be, 
it's going to be worth it because his streams are going to go up. His album sales are going to go up because 96 million people watched it. And right, he's never going to have an audience that big. No artist will. So I guess that part is worth it. But I didn't see how the extra money made the impact besides having all those lights, which I know are expensive, and all those extra dancers. But I feel like he could have had a show within budget and still had the same impact. Bro, for now, I'm going to leave it at this. I... I... I'm still confused as to what I saw. I will remain that way until somebody <laughs> explains it to me like I'm a third grader. I, he, look, he, he could boy can sing. There's no doubt about it. But what I saw scared me a little bit. Like, I, I mean, all, everybody's coming out with the bandages. You know, I, I get it, but I don't get it at the same. It, it just looked really weird. The whole thing threw me off, Nikki. No, I hated it. I hated it. And I like the weekend. I don't mind the songs. Like, you know, they're good. You're like, on, you know, running on the treadmill, whatever. Like, he's got good songs, but I just, I guess that was supposed to be their mask. And he did have a ton of dancers. Maybe all that COVID testing cost a lot of money that everyone was worried about. I, I don't know. I don't know what he was doing, but that. You know, people are like, oh, he's just like Bruno Mars. No, Bruno Mars is a million times better, I thought. I thought if you're comparing the two, because I saw this comparison a lot on social media, Bruno Mars is a million times better of a performer. Oh, yeah. I mean, geez, you, you don't got to tell me twice. I'm with that. Yeah, I, we may talk some more halftime because uh, still I'm, I'm confused. It was it was more like Monday, not the weekend, because it was the same. <laughs> hey, uh, some of us like Mondays. It, oh, yeah, I, I'm sorry. Finish <laughs> Tuesday for you. Tuesday for you. That's what I want. <laughs> Jeez, but yeah, that's something else. All right, my tomatoes. Um, I'll stay away from the Super Bowl in this one, and I'm going to give it to. I'm going to give a lot of tomatoes to the Dallas Cowboys hype video. I don't know if you guys saw this, but what? they made a hype video for 2021, and there was one key person not in it, and that was Dak Prescott. He was. Nowhere to be found. As a matter of fact, Troy Aikman was in the freaking thing. Not Dak Prescott. Not even not not guys we've been playing today. So, what does that say? Is that a message like, dude, you're not going to be in any video if you don't com- you know combine with our rules, or you're done over here? Which would be ridiculous to me because quarterbacks like him are extremely hard to find. But to leave him out and to actually claim it was an oversight is the worst excuse I've ever heard because he should have been said an oversight <laughs> an oversight an oversight that Dak wasn't in it give me he should have been the first guy that they had on there so my tomatoes are thrown at the Cowboys at the production whoever did this for not having Dak in your hype video for 2021 what kind of message does that send and his brother went on Twitter and said Hype video, hmm, someone's missing, something like that, and had like a little, uh, you know, emoji over there. So, uh, yeah, bad job, Dallas. Uh, that was sending a message. I don't know if you wanted to, and if you, if you, your intentions weren't that way, you still sent one. So, bad news over there. That's my tomatoes for the week. Let's get a little happy over here. Nikki, what do you say? We want to do a little round of applause action? Yeah, let's do a little round of applause. And mine... Sorry, Nikki didn't mean to just cut you off. No, All right, that's okay. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay on that Dallas train, but not for long because I want nothing to do with the hype video. Um, <laughs> my applause is going to Tony Romo. Finally, making it to the Super Bowl. Good job. No, uh... <laughs> <laughs> you were so cruel. I love it. <laughs> um, I thought. 
he's actually turned into like probably my favorite announcer. I love him in the booth. I thought he did a fantastic job and I saw he was getting some hate um, in the days leading up to the game. They were like, oh, he's only predicting 30% of his play predictions, right? I would just like to know to, for like all the armchair analysts out there, how many do you get right? What is your percentage rate? Okay, you go on national TV and do it. Cause it's not easy. I know it sounds easy to just talk about football for a living, but it's, it's not. And I think he brings so much life and animation to it. I just thought he did a fantastic job. All right. I like it. I, I, I'm a, I like Tony Romo as a player and he's even better as an analyst because he was a heck of a quarterback. Couldn't take him over the top, obviously, but I'm with you. I, Tony Romo is fantastic. There's no doubt. No doubt. All right. So D little round of applause over here. What are you saying? Yeah, my round of applause goes to the streaker. <laughs> <laughs> we had we had a pretty boring Super Bowl, right? Mm-hmm. And we were like, oh, man, you know, we all we still were on the edge of our seats because you figured that eventually Kansas City would come back, but it didn't happen. And the streaker came out. And we didn't see it on TV, but, of course, people caught it on their cell phone. It was pretty hilarious. And did you guys see Kevin Harlan's? radio call of the streaker yes it was amazing (laughs) hilarious hilarious the fact that we got that moment from kevin harlan is thanks to the streaker and it has been confirmed that he actually did make money off of it because he bet on a streaker during the game and saw that nobody else would do it so he took care of it himself i gotta give a round of applause to that this rumor that he won over three hundred thousand dollars on the bet so bet on himself (laughs) and he, he got out there and did it and the reports is that one of his friends distracted the security guard so that he could jump down and do it. Uh, teamwork makes the dream work. Yeah. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not mad at it. I'm pretty sure he gave his friend a pretty good little piece of the money as well. So round of applause to the streaker, man. All right. No doubt. I'm with Amazing. it. I'm, didn't see that one coming. But you know what? That plays right into my applause. And it didn't have to do with the game, but it follows with what you're saying with the streaker. And I actually uh, told Nikki a little bit about it before we got on air. I'm going to make the the story really short. About 25 years ago, a bunch of my friends had a ball game at Chase Stadium with the Mets. So somebody calls in to the New York radio and says, hey, I was there when the streaker, because obviously the streaker they're talking about in the, in the Super Bowl. He goes, hey, I was there when, uh, when a guy, you know, you know, ran across the field. He didn't completely streak, but at Chase Stadium, he made it over center field. He made it over the fence. He didn't get arrested, yada, yada, yada. All right. My friend calls me the next day. This is yesterday or two days ago. My friend Freddie, he says, dude, he says, did you hear this guy, Mike, from class of 95, 96 from Mepham High School, where I went to high school, explaining this this guy we know who we know who we're friends with who I'm not going to say his name on the radio I don't want to get him in any trouble or anything already even though it's already out there he's I'm like yeah I remember the whole thing I'm like who was it he goes I don't know but it was Mike from Belmore where I where I partly grew up I'm like that's interesting I'm like weird but yeah so I remember the whole story and then I get a call from my friend his name is Mike I'm like what's up bro what's going on he was like calling me frantically like three times in a row I thought something was wrong he goes dude, I was on the radio the other day and telling the story about the time that our friend went over the center field wall and everything and this and that. So this whole trifecta comes in where my friend Freddie is asking and I'm like, dude, it's one of our best friends. 
Mike Murray is the guy who was on the radio telling this entire story about this guy escaping over Shea Stadium, which is amazing, which is almost impossible to do given the security and given the height of the fence. He had to scale like a 20-foot fence. So it was amazing. But the fact that my friend heard it, couldn't remember the guy's name, and it was my other friend on the radio telling the story was just absolutely hilarious. So that's why I kind of wanted to bring that up and sneak it in there and give it into my round of applause. Wanted to find a way to get that in the show. And hey, you led me into it, Dave, as you always do. <laughs> Perfect job right there. Perfect job. Yeah. So- no, I'm glad I did, man. That's a great story on that one. I don't oh. know any, I don't have any friends that's ever streaked at a game. We've always been too scared to do it. <laughs> but but that's, that's a funny story right there. Yeah, you ain't going to catch me doing that. That's for sure. I'm not looking for no beat down in the back. I, I, I ain't having it. I ain't having it. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, thankfully, he got away. Freaking, fuck, man, 25 years ago, this comes up. So funny. Well, speaking of the streaker and the (laughs) the Super Bowl, let's get into this one, guys. All right. There's a lot to go over here with the Super Bowl. And I know it was a couple of days ago, but I have to tell you, I have. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to go over highlight topic, bullet point questions of what we thought about the Super Bowl, whether we agree, not agree, have more to add, whatever it may be. So let's start it off right here with a very simple one, guys. Nikki, did Tom Brady deserve the MVP? Three touchdowns, 201 yards, 21 for 29, I believe it was. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think that's it. What do you think? Do you think he deserved it? Oh, man. I feel like it should have went to JPP. Yeah, no, I listen, I know we'll get into it. That that Tampa defense was something serious, but yeah, no, I mean, it, it usually always goes to a quarterback. So, so yes, I, I think he deserved it and he played a hell of a game. He did. He, he, he played an excellent game. One interception that was called back, uh, you know, Tyron Matthew, obviously that honey badger coming up with one over there, but D, what do you think, Tom Brady, another MVP, his fifth one, deserved? Honestly, I thought they should have given it to the unit of the defense in this one. Yeah. Um, if they could have gave it to a full unit or give it to Ty Bowles, honestly, if they like, – I know it goes to a player, it's the most valuable player, but it's – you know, that defense was the reason they won that game. So I think they should have found a way to give it to one of the defenders if it wasn't Devin White. I know that none of the defenders individually had a game that stood out like to get Super Bowl MVP, but it's not like Tom Brady had this amazing game. So I think one of the defenders should have got it. I totally get you. And that would have been tough giving it to one defender. Cause like you said, they all played great. They all did their job. Todd Bowles had everybody in position and everybody knew what to do. We discussed before, what are they going to play? Cover two men. That's what they played. They played a little zone throughout the game, but they always had two over the top. And that's why Tyree kill was invisible. Um, did Tom Brady deserve the MVP? He did deserve it, yes. So did other people. But like we were talking about, who are you going to give it to? Are you just going to give it to Devin White? Are you going to give it to JPP, Shaq Barrett? You know, a couple other guys even deserved it. So, yes, Nikki, you're right. It always goes to a quarterback. That's why I don't have a problem with it. I didn't see another offensive player that stood out that would say, oh, yeah, well, you know, without him, we wouldn't have won this game. You know, Gronk had a couple of touchdowns, but – other than that, you know, not a whole lot of, you know, whatever, but he played his part. So my answer is yes, he deserved it because you can't, to me, it's so hard to give it to one guy on the defense because of what Damian said, they all played so well. And not right. only that, if Tampa doesn't have Tom Brady, that's not even a conversation. 
Like, you think they're going to the Super Bowl if they have, I don't know, one of these backups or something? Like, uh, come on. No, that's a great point. Yeah, Tom Brady definitely made a big impact on the team. But I feel like if they had another very good quarterback, they could make it to the Super Bowl with that roster. That roster's loaded, right? They just needed a quarterback who wasn't going to turn the ball over 42 times in the regular season, if we're going to be honest about it. Like, that's what killed them last year. Maybe so. Maybe Maybe you're right. Sometimes I think, you know what, I'm not sure because of, again, his resume and seven Super Bowls and now in 10 tries and just the fact that he went there immediately and was able to do that and pick everything up in this year. I mean, whatever. Yeah, we can have that conversation where other quarterbacks could have jumped in there and done a good job. I totally agree. But listen, he took them all the way. So there's nothing left to say, you know, about that part of it. But, uh, yeah, the MVP, yeah, I, I get you. It's a tough one. You know, we can give out our own defensive MVP if we'd like. But I did mention Gronk, and I'm going to ask you guys, and I'm going to preface it by saying I did expect Gronk to show up in the Super Bowl because it's Brady and Gronk again. They've been there a million times already. So I expected him to show up, maybe not two touchdowns, but, Damien, did you expect Gronk, uh, Gronk to do what he did or play at that high level? I had a sneaky – feeling about Gronk in this one because we hadn't seen any Gronk really in the playoffs he was used as a blocker he had a big screen catch against Green Bay that was a big play but we hadn't seen much of him and I was like they're going to use him in this game they're going to use him because we've seen him through the back end of the regular season start to look good start to have fresher feet and run faster and look like the old Gronk a little bit so I was like I think they're saving him for this game so I had a sneaky suspicion about it that they would use him two touchdowns. Like you said, I didn't expect two touchdowns, but he looked good. I definitely expected him to be used more in this game. Yeah. I'm with you. I had uh, the very same mindset, you know, Tom's going to be looking through. It's funny. The guys who caught touchdowns, including Antonio Brown, none of them were on the team last year, including Fournette. It's just it, uh, unbelievable. Nikki, what do you think about that though? Uh, Gronk, the way that he showed up and how D emphasized that he was predominantly a blocker and you didn't see him much all season. And then bam, there you go. Super Bowl time. Yeah. I feel like that's <laughs> like, he just kind of turned it on. Like Brady is his boy Gronk and Brady. And he was kind of due for this, right? Like he was due for that game where you're like, where is Gronk? Oh, well, it just happened to be the Super Bowl. So I'm not surprised at all. No, no, that's <laughs> Can't say I like I said we all we all agree on that one right there. So Gronk played a huge part early, scored the first touchdown on that kind of like tight end, uh, you know, cross screen. It was a very nicely designed play he got in. So uh, yeah, good job to them after falling, you know, three nothing, and then kind of taking over from there. But we're going to keep talking about it. I never seen Mahomes, not Mahomes, Mahomes and the Chiefs era beaten so badly because it never happened. They never lose by more than seven or eight points, where they rarely lose. So just in general, are you guys completely and totally shocked at the final score of 31 to nine, Nikki? Um, yes and no. And that's probably not <laughs> like the answer <laughs> everyone wants to hear. Yes, because I mean, it's Kansas City, they are juggernaut and you just think, well, they're going to score points, you know, they're at least going to score like 20 points. Um. But now we hear Mahomes' injury was probably a little worse than we all thought. And then we all mentioned last week those injuries on the offensive line. Like, Tampa Bay is going to take advantage of that. And I know we were all concerned about that. Um, my big thing is, so you're telling me if you take away Hill and Kelsey, the Chiefs 
just have nothing. Like they got zero production out of their playmaker, zero, nothing. Like you didn't even score a touchdown. So that is where I'm shocked. So yes. And no, given the factors that we kind of knew going into this game, but yeah, I would say I'm generally more shocked. They couldn't even get in the end zone. And that's a fair answer. And and I am also shocked they didn't get in the end zone due to Patrick Mahomes magic. And yeah, Kelsey put up a lot of numbers, but they let him do that. And Levante David was tackling him immediately. So they did a great job there. So um, even though I, I picked the bucks, I'm blown away that, 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 that they won 31 to 90. I can't believe that that was the final score. I thought it was going to be much closer, obviously, but you know, given everything that we had gone over with the offensive line, certain things like that, and the Bucks' dominant defense as it turned out to be, even still, nine points, no touchdowns, Damian, blew me away. Yeah, no, I definitely was shocked by it. I was just waiting. I was like, okay, something's going to happen. Right. This is where it's going to turn. Like, I was just waiting for that moment to happen because we've seen it so many times, right, exactly. where they're behind, and next thing you know, they go off for three straight touchdowns. You know, I thought for sure it would be after they stopped the Bucks at the one-yard line, like, oh, they got the momentum now. This is it. Mm-hmm. And nothing happened. Like, it just <laughs> it never came. So I definitely was shocked by that. Yep, I was, I was really totally shocked. Blew me away, not even getting in the end zone. Unreal. And, yep, offensive line. We know, look, the, I always say it, the game is won at the line of scrimmage, and we saw who won that one right there. We talked about. The, def- you know, the defense of Tampa Bay and how well they played and how well everybody played. So if we had to give a defensive MVP and just pick one, Damien, who would it go to? That's tough, man, because that defensive line as a whole was nasty. Um, <clears throat> but um, JPP could be the guy. Like when you look at who just constantly had pressure on Mahomes, you could go there, you could go Devin White. Uh, with all the tackles that he had during the game. So for me, I had to pick one. I probably would go JPP. Okay, you go JPP. I'm sure Nikki likes to hear that. Is your answer the same? It is the same, of course. JPP. (laughs) You didn't even have to watch the game to know what the answer was going to be. I am going to go with Devin White, and it was for the reasons that I said last week. Let him roam free. Let him be a playmaker, which he was, and – he did it all. Uh, he, If he won the MVP, I wouldn't have been upset and I wouldn't have been shocked for one second. But, yeah, he's my defensive MVP. Another one could have been Levante David, who I, we just talked about, did a great job on Travis Kelsey. No yak, no yards after the catch. He caught the ball and he was tackled, and that's exactly what his job was to do. And, again, you talk about that front man, the front four offensive line, uh, defensive line for the Bucks guys. Bucks only blitzed five times in that whole game and got pressure 50% of the dropbacks, roughly 50% of his dropbacks, and only blitzed five times. That tells you everything you need to know. What is Mahomes going to do? Nothing. Run for his life like he did. (laughs) (laughs) And that he did. Yeah. He ran 500 yards behind the line of scrimmage, scrambling. You know how tired he must be? His legs probably feel like coming off right now. I mean, it's ridiculous, really. Unbelievable. On a, on a bad foot. Yeah. On a bad exactly. <laughs> on a bad foot that was played down. Because he definitely, look, he, he's getting, he had surgery done, I think, already on the foot. So we know there was a problem there. There's no doubt about it. And what he was able to still do blows my mind. But it was a full Bucks team victory like we talked about. Now, given everything that we have talked about, 
How shocked are you, Nikki, that Tyree Kill was a no-show? Shocked? Yeah, shocked. Like, I, I mean, I just, this was not, I, I think that n- nobody expected this outcome, right? And like Dee said, you're like, you my dad's texting me, like, just wait for it, Nick. But, you know, this is what they do. They're going to come back. But it just didn't happen. And all the credit in the world to Tampa who came prepared. And my big thing here is it just is very rare to see Andy Reid get out coached and he did. And I feel like Kansas city just didn't make adjustments. Did you guys feel like that too? Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. That was going to be one of my, uh, one of my tomatoes actually, but I was going to bring it up later. They made no adjustments to Nikki at all. And, and especially, I don't want to cut you off why they didn't run the ball more knowing that they have a rough job at the offensive line. It's going to be hard to protect Mahomes. You gotta run the ball, even if you're not successful, just to give the kids some time to throw the freaking ball. So absolutely, and then it makes you wonder, guys, was was Andy Reid's mind on his son a lot? The scheme was his head clear. I don't know because that's not the Andy Reid I know coaching a game, especially after two freaking weeks of rest where nobody's been better than him in the past, Damian. Yeah, like it's an uncomfortable point to bring up, but it's definitely real. Right. His son was involved in the accident where it could have been his son's fault that a five year old is in critical condition that yeah. has to that has to weigh on you like that has to weigh on you in some type of way. So if that's something that kind of got in the way of his preparation, you can't blame him for that. Right. Because that's you know way bigger than football. And for me, I was I was definitely I wasn't shocked that Tyreek Hill was a no show because going into the game, I figured if one thing they were going to do. They were going to make sure Tyreek Hill didn't do to them what he did the, f- the first time they played. Like, <laughs> yeah, I figured they was going to go and make sure he got double, triple team. They were going to make sure that he didn't go off on them. I was shocked by the fact that the rest of the team couldn't take advantage of that, right? Those other weapons, we knew what they were going to do against Tyreek Hill, against Travis Kelsey. That's when the other weapons have to stay, have to have to show up. Right. You have to show up and you have to win your matchups, but it's hard to win matchups when you, the quarterback's running for his life as well. Absolutely true. No doubt about it. And yeah, that that was probably the biggest problem why Tyree killed didn't get a lot of looks. But yeah, I thought they may have, you know, run a couple of screens for him, something, you know, this and that and the other thing. But nope, it was he was a total no show. Uh, did not work out for him. And a guy that I've been talking about the defensive player of the year on the other side of the ball, Tyron Matthew didn't really play a good game. Um, had some join going on with the goat over there with uh, with the refs also. And, and l- let's just go to that play right now. I was going to bring it up a little bit later, but let's go to that play where before the half, Tyron Matthew pushes Evans in the back and the ball is thrown way, way, way out of the end zone. So the referee who was the female in this, and I hope there's no backlash over that, she threw the flag because she was looking at the players. She wasn't looking at where the ball was. So I understand why she threw the flag, but why they didn't pick it up and have a conference is another thing. Cause that ball was totally uncatchable. And really what Tyron Matthew did was nothing with nothing. So they should have got together. Nikki, I'll go to you first. They should have got together and overruled that because what happens is Tampa Bay ends up scoring another touchdown and look what happens game over. Yeah. And you, you, like you said, you see like where she made that call and why she did, but yeah, I think they should have picked it up. And just the penalties in general. Um, I don't know how you guys felt about it. I thought it was a shame because 
you know, just in Green Bay, they let them just go at it. And then, you know, Super Bowl, it was just, I don't know, a lot of it was a little questionable. If I was a Chiefs fan, I'd be irate. Yeah, I know. They had a lot of penalties called against them, and that really did hurt them. And some of them were ticky-tack, some of them were real. And I did hear a stat, guys, going into this game, Damian, that this particular refereeing crew averaged 16 penalties a game. I forgot how many there were in this game, but it seemed to be on par. Yeah, they were definitely calling it very tight, and that's not how you want a Super Bowl to be called, let the players play. Now, if something egregious happens, you call it. But you're definitely right about that particular flag. I was looking like if there's anything that's uncatchable, that's when you call it, right? If he throws it, there's no way Mike Evans is going to stretch, keep his toes in bounds, and do a Michael Jordan Space Jam type stretch to catch that <laughs> ball <laughs> out of the end zone there. So you have to pick that flag up. And like you said, if she's just focusing on the play itself, I can see like, okay, maybe you think it's fast interference. Somebody else has to come in and say, hey, that ball is out of bounds. We're going to pick the flag up. Now, this is where her being a female may come to play. Maybe they don't feel comfortable saying we're going to pick up this flag. They don't want to be the one to tell the, the first female referee in Super Bowl history, hey, you were wrong about this play, right? Because you could have those times where people don't feel comfortable. They don't want to be the one to correct somebody in a situation. Hopefully that wasn't it. Hopefully they were comfortable enough with each other to where they can all hold each other accountable. And you don't have that situation where no one else wanted to say anything. I hope that's not what happened, but that could be a case when there's a call that's just this, just this egregious as far as, you know, it wasn't catchable at all. There's no way you should call that. No, there's absolutely no way that you should call that. I, I totally agree. I don't know why it happened, but again, yeah, I understand her perspective, but again, they should have gathered together. All the referees saw exactly what was going on. So I'm totally with you. Yeah, and that was a big game changer. And I'm not saying the Chiefs would have won as a result of, of the turnaround, but that's exactly what happened. So we're going to leave it there for a minute. We're going to come right back. We got plenty more NFL talk for you, plenty more Super Bowl talk. Now play a play is coming up. Forget about it, guys. We're going nuts over here. The great debate. We're coming back in 30 seconds. It's tearing up my heart when I'm Man, are we going old school today with the letter N in the alphabet soup on third and three podcast in sync in the house over here. How do you like that? Yeah, yeah. All right. Third and three, ready to keep it rolling over here. We're talking Super Bowl, the aftermath of it. So we got a few more bullet points to go through, and then we're going to bring up the great debate and all that other good stuff. I can't wait for knowledge with Nikki. Who knows what's going to happen today? But you got me, Jason Fearman. Damien Adams and Nikki Gist with you today, as always, third and three, rocking and rolling. So, guys, here's the next question. And this is an odd one. You may have to think about it for a second. Did Patrick Mahomes play a good to great game? Yes or no, Damien? Oh, that's a that's a tough question. It is. He 
I'll put it this way. He didn't play good or great, but I was impressed. Okay. Right? okay. Because some of the plays that he almost made, my God. Like, <laughs> like the the third and nine where he's getting spun around and throws it to the corner of the end zone of Pringle and Pringle almost catches that ball. And for yeah. a second with the camera angle, you couldn't tell. So I thought he caught it. And I was like, no way. There's, <laughs> yeah. no, there's no way he just pulled that off. And then the fourth and nine where he gets tripped up, he's parallel to the ground and throws it 30 yards and it hits Tyreek Hill in the face mask. Never seen anything like that in my entire life. Never, ever. <laughs> how we, how to throw with such accuracy in that, forget about it. Unbelievable. Yes, unbelievable. And you can't even blame Tyreek Hill for missing it because there's no way he expected that throw to get there. <laughs> <laughs> like, he brought, it came up on him so fast. He was like, there's no way this is a football coming at my face right now. <laughs> like, how, how did he expect, how did he get the ball here? Like, that was bananas so he definitely showed why he's special and i would say he didn't play good to great but he definitely played impressive okay i'll take that answer i like that i like that you explained it well all right nikki what do you think well right now i'm just thinking about pringles because every time i saw that guy's <laughs> name i'm just thinking of like sour cream and onion pringles barbecue pringle chips what's that oh 7 30 yeah it's usually when i get hungry <laughs> i'm sure our <laughs> listeners know by now um Listen, it's Patrick Mahomes. So if that's him on a bad day, that ain't too bad. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that it's yeah, it wasn't to the standard that we are used to seeing. But I mean, it, it wasn't awful either. And you have to, as we always say, you know, it's a team sport. I think you kind of have to look at all the other factors that were playing into it. But but no, was it like, you know, the greatest game from him? No, not at all. But like D said, I mean, it was still impressive given with what he had to work with and circumstances. Yeah, I, again, like like D talked about, some of those throws are just unbelievable. And all the scrambling behind just to try to create plays, create room, Hits on a third and 11, I think it was, hits Travis Kelsey right in the freaking face. You know, again, everybody's just dropping it off their face. They're not even picking their freaking hands up. I don't know what's going on. So, <laughs> to me, he played as great as a quarterback could possibly play in that situation. I don't think there's anybody yeah. who could have even got three points on the board in that situation. So that's why he is Patrick Mahomes and what he did in that game athletically, mentally, on a bad foot, obviously, uh, it just uh, unbelievable. He he really is so great. Again, not his best game, not his fault, but he did the best with what he got, and he really didn't get a whole lot because Todd Bowles had all his guys in, in the right spot, and they did all their jobs. So uh, very impressive, very impressive. And, Nikki, you alluded to the Chiefs not making any adjustments, proper adjustments, whatever it is. I go back to, again, guys where – they should have been running the ball even to begin with, again, to have the balance, which is exactly what um, the Bucks did. And even on defense, they didn't adjust anything. And as far as routes, knowing that, that knowing that, um, excuse me, that the Bucks are getting in so fast off the edges and even in the middle with Vita Vey and Adamic and Sue, who had one and a half sacks in that game, you got to call quick throws. So zero adjustments. I, I just, I really don't know what was going on. If Eric Bieniemy had a bad day also, I mean, again, I know the lack of the players over there, but 
the adjustments, and Nikki, I'll, I'll go to you after Damian. Did you see them even try to make adjustments in Tampa overtake it, Damian, or was there they, – they didn't change for four quarters is what I saw. Yeah, the only thing I could see that they tried to do, they did try to do some screens here and there, which also got blown up. Um, but they didn't adjust protection-wise. It was clear from the first play this offensive line didn't have a chance. Right. <laughs> it was clear yeah. from the first play. So at that point, you have to adjust and say, okay, let's run some max protection. Let's have at least, you know, a running back back there or two running backs back there or running back in the fullback, however you want to do it, to max protect so that you at least have Patrick Mahomes with some type of time where he's not running for his life the whole game. So that's the one adjustment that I wanted to see. But coaching-wise, Ty Bowles gave an old-school ass-whooping to Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy. Like there's, oh, no yeah. other, there's no other way to put it. Like, he just outclassed him in this one. And offensively, or defensively for the Chiefs, I expected him to give up 30 points. Like, that was going to be a given, I thought, in this game. I thought it would be high scoring both ways. So I didn't expect their defense to be able to stop the Bucks in any type of way. So for me, I don't think defensively they could have did too much differently, honestly, um, because there's so many weapons for Tampa Bay. And they were playing with the pressure of their offense not scoring. So defensively, I don't think they could have did much more. But offensively, they definitely could have tried some different things, especially the first possession he's running, like, the first the first first down they got was Patrick Mahomes escaping the pocket yep. running for 11 yards so it's something that they saw at the beginning and should have made an adjustment throughout the game on as far as the protection yeah Nikki that, that was beautifully said and Nikki you already alluded to it and you know like I said they abandoned the run so early they were able to do it early in the third quarter maybe the Bucks were laying back a little bit but to me that's where they would have had their only chances trying to establish a run and, you know, again, you know, keep the ball in their hands and stuff like that. And they just didn't. And Mahomes, again, just really literally, again, 500 yards scrambling behind the line of scrimmage is absolutely insane. That's got to be a record, Nick. Yeah, no, that is crazy. I heard that yesterday or whatever on the radio. And then they're like, oh, yeah, no, he's having surgery too. I'm like, oh, my God, he did it on like a bum foot. I mean, <laughs> Jesus. Um, yeah, I don't know why they didn't run the ball. I was waiting for that. I think we all were. I mean, it's so out of character for, you know, Andy Reid to not adjust. I think that's why we're all scratching our head because this game was just very, very much out of character for him and his coaching staff. It really was. It really was. And obviously, guys, last question here with all of the talk of the offensive line for the Chiefs and how we expected the Bucks line to dominate and how it's going to turn out with, you know, Mike Bremer's in there and whatnot and certain players and Martinez. So, uh, Martinez, I'm sorry. If Eric Fisher started the game at left tackle, do you believe, Damian, first, that the Chiefs would have won the game if only Eric Fisher was at left tackle. Do you think it would have made that much of a difference? I don't think it makes that big of a difference, but it is a closer game, right? It's not just a complete dominance because with only, you know, Eric Fisher leaving, they moved the right tackle to left. I think that's what they really messed up. I think they should have kept him at right, at least be strong on that side. And then you have your backup left tackle come in. So, you know, okay, we're going to be weak on the left side. Let's have the running back stay on that side, chip. If especially we know they're not going to blitz us. If they're not going to blitz. If we have six protecting against four, we should win. Right? Mm. So 
that's where I think they should have done is let him stay at right, be weak on the left side, and just have extra help there. And I think you have a better chance. Now, if Fisher's playing, it helps. The offensive line's been depleted a lot, you know, even beyond that. So, you know, I've got my famous line, the offensive line is like oxygen. And yep. if if you don't have it, you can't breathe. And Patrick Mahomes was definitely out of breath at the end of that game from running. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's something that I think would have helped, but the Bucks were a better team. And I don't think that one player would have made that big a difference. It would have been a better game. Maybe it's 31 to 16 or 19, maybe, you know? Yeah, I, 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 you know what? I echo your sentiment. I, I think exactly what you think. I don't think the outcome would have been any different. I mean, the score, yeah, would have been a little bit different. But no, I still think Tampa would have won. They were just the better team. Again, all around, not just defense. Byron Leftwich was on point with his play calling. Everything worked out for the Bucs and Nick in this one. So I don't think that Eric Fisher would have been the reason why the Chiefs won if he was in there. So I think that people need to stop harping on that. Oh yeah, no, it's not. It's not going to come down to just one player, like you guys said. Is it going to help? Yeah, sure. Of course, it's going to help. Is it going to win you the game? No, because there were so many other issues going on. So, and really, just uh, I think we just reached a point in that game where Tampa Bay, like it, you know, there was just no turning back for them. And you know, when we were talking about predictions, I said, listen, you're going to play Brady in the Super Bowl. You have to play damn near perfect, and they didn't. And Tampa Bay, now I know you can argue penalties and what have you, but they were able to capitalize when things went their way. And it's just Tom Brady and his life, and everything goes his freaking way. So, I mean, <laughs> it's just – but honestly, like, wrapping up the Super Bowl, I'm actually taking comfort in the fact that Tom Brady – won the Super Bowl because I feel like it's a sense of normalcy in a year that has been so abnormal it's like the one thing I'm kind of like okay this feels right it's not New England but Tom Brady winning a Super Bowl that feels right and normal to me so (laughs) I ain't that mad at it albeit in another city still amazing he gets there and they win it It, 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 what a struggle there's like ever another Sunday for this guy like oh yeah whatever another ring another Sunday no big deal I think we should rotate him for the next five years like go to the Jets see what happens go to Jacksonville (laughs) see what happens (laughs) I like that I like that yeah I remember there was like about four minutes left in the fourth quarter game is obviously wrapped up and he's just sitting there like calm cool collective waiting for the clocks to hit zero in order to celebrate. So, yeah, it was uh, pretty awesome, pretty awesome. But, uh, yep, total blowout that I know the, the three of us did not see coming. Um, you know, I, again, I picked the Bucks, but I did not see that happening, man. Unbelievable. But that Super Bowl leads us now into another debate. The great debate that we're going to have today, this week, is the greatest athlete of all time. And, yeah, we know that other people have been talking about it, but it's time for the pros to step up and talk about it right now. So when we talk about the great debate, the greatest athlete of all time, just a few names to come to mind, guys, and then I want to throw it to you, see who you think, who comes to your mind, who's that number one for whatever reason, and then, of course, I'll give mine after. So just a few names that obviously do come up. You know, Tiger Woods, if you consider golf a sport. Tom Brady, of course, just won his seventh. Bo Jackson, what could have been. Deion Sanders playing the both sports. The great one, which is the greatest nickname of all time, Wayne Gretzky, and how amazing and dominant he was in hockey, which is something that we'll never talk about after today. Uh, Michael Jordan, Bill Russell, Willie Mays, Babe Ruth. You know, there's so many names that we can go through as the greatest athlete of all time. And whether it's championships or what we just saw, 
them do on the court or on the field or on the diamond or whatever it may be. So we can, we can do whatever we want. And that's exactly what we're going to do. So we're going to interpret who we think right now the greatest athlete of all time is and for what reason. And Damien, I would love it if you kicked it off. So, yes, this has been a debate all over the, the mainstream sporting stations. Is Tom Brady now the greatest athlete of all time since he surpassed Michael Jordan with championships now with seven and Michael Jordan had six. And for me, I can go through, I did it on my show. I went through 10 athletes before I got to Tom Brady. And really? wow, okay. yeah, and people will think I'm crazy, right? But for me, the greatest athlete of all time is still Michael Jordan. When you look at Michael Jordan and what he did throughout his career, right? In basketball, he played both sides of the, both offense and defense, right? And he was great on both sides. Now, I'm not holding that against football players, but it is something to be brought up when a football player, they can be, have the luxury of, say, for example, Tom Brady throwing three interceptions against the Packers, defense steps up, and then we always talk about the great Tom Brady made to another Super Bowl when he damn near threw the game away. <laughs> it's something that, you know, Michael Jordan didn't have that luxury. Michael Jordan goes out there and has that equivalent of a second half, which in basketball would probably be if he had eight, nine turnovers in the second half of a game and only scored five points. Most likely, they're not winning that game, especially against another great team. So for me, I have to go Michael Jordan. You look at what he did as far as even before the championships, right? He was already proclaimed as the best player of all time or the best player in the league at the time before he even right. won a championship because of his scoring exploits. And then once he got some help, he started winning championships, right? So you look at what he did in 1988, won MVP and defensive player of the year. Averaged 32 points a game, eight rebounds, eight assists. That crazy, crazy. Yeah. The yeah. dominance of Michael Jordan, even pre-championship was crazy. And then once he got a championship, once he got there, didn't lose in the finals, right? And then a lot of people like to look at his time with the Wizards as a downtime. The man took three years off, three, came back at 39 and 40 years old and was still an all-star caliber player, averaging over 20 points a game. He just was playing on a crap team, but was still playing at a great level. After three years off, imagine three years not doing an activity at that level, coming back to still be one of the top 10 to 15 players are doing it. It's crazy. It's it nuts. Is. It is. And then it's, it's, it's hard to bring up an argument when you talk about Michael Jordan being the <laughs> athlete. Look, if you put Jordan and Tom Brady, just for example, next to each other, there's no debating who's the better athlete. But yeah, just on pure athleticism, like when I did it on my show, I had four different uh, criterias for my greatest athlete of all time. So for me, it was accomplishments, impact on the game, athletic ability, and style points, right? And when I say style points is, did you make it look easy against other great competition? So for Michael Jordan, some people question the people he played against because he made it look so easy. But Clyde Drexler was great. Michael Jordan just was that much better than Clyde Drexler. Reggie Miller was great. Mitch Richmond was great. Charles Barkley was great. Patrick Ewing, all these guys, Carl Malone, John Stockton, were great, great players, all-time players. And Michael Jordan stood above them and made it look 
somewhat easy against those guys. It makes people question the athletes of that day because he was so ahead of his time. So that's why I have Michael Jordan as my greatest athlete of all time. Well, that is definitely a well thought out argument right there. And you backed it up with stats and a whole bunch of other stuff and, you know, intangibles and tangibles. So well done, Michael Jordan. And I think that a lot of the population would agree with you. I wonder if Nikki does. Um, I do not. <laughs> Shocker. Um, so for me, when a couple different thought of like, you really got to think about it, kind of come up with your own criteria and toss it around a little bit. And one of the reasons why I picked this person is because she is never mentioned when men talk about the greatest athletes of all time. And that is Serena Williams. Oh, uh, well, um, she like, you know what? I feel like she is so deservedly of being in this conversation and so many people will rattle off like you know five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve people twelve men before they even get to her and you know what the thing is when you compete solo like we've all been on teams together right and sometimes you have those days where you need your teammates to lift you up or just you know god i had it in cheer i was just like i can't do i cannot do this routine one more time i can't stunt anymore i'm exhausted i just can't do it and you have your teammates to lift you up when you are a solo athlete it's on you it is extremely hard to self-motivate and be determined every single day and have that grit every single day so I think that even just comparing team sports and individual sports is a different criteria but then you want to look at her accomplishments so she turned pro in 95 her first major was in 99, 23 Grand Slam titles, 73 WTA titles altogether, four Olympic gold medals, 33 major finals, five year-end number ones, 358 major match wins of her tw- and her 23 Grand Slams. That's three more than Roger Federer, okay, than her male counterpart. And in 2017, she gets her 23rd title while she's eight weeks pregnant. So this woman, not only is she an amazing role model, but she just really broke all the glass ceilings. And I think she is just absolutely amazing. She is phenomenal to watch. So to me, she is the greatest athlete of all time. I think that's just a wonderful answer. And you know what? It, it, it did cross my mind, and I was thinking more team sports. This is obviously individual, and you're right. You have nobody else to lean on except for yourself and maybe your coach you know, over there on the side or whatever, but ultimately you're out there on the court, and she has dominated women's tennis for at least 15 years, Damian. That is an excellent, excellent argument. Yes, no, it's definitely a great argument, and I just want to you know, let you know that I did have Serena at number four on my list okay, good. I did, <laughs> when I did it on my show. So right. I definitely am not against your argument at all. Uh, Serena is amazing. And when it goes to that style points argument against Hall of Fame competition, Maria Sharapova, Hall of Fame tennis player, Serena demolished her for 20 straight years. Mm-hmm. So like when you make it look that easy against other Hall of Fame competition, her sister, yep, great Hall of Fame tennis player. She beat her. It made it look easy. Serena Williams is definitely up there for me. Like I said, I had debated it along with a few others, and I had her at number four on my list. So I'm definitely not arguing against that at all. Yeah, I think that's just absolutely fantastic one. There's no doubt about it. She's one of my favorite athletes just because of, 
like you said, her will and her grit to do it every day and to go out there when she's like five, six months pregnant and still play. I mean, it just goes to show you how much it means to her. And great choice. I, I love both of your choices, but I'm going to go with a different one. I mean, I, I love Michael Jordan. How can you go wrong? Serena Williams. How can you go wrong? Maybe the best individual athlete in an individual sport. But I go with LeBron James. And here's why. He's an amazing athlete who can play multiple sports at a high level. We know he could have gone pro in football. I don't know if he could have played baseball or not, but the guy's an incredible athlete. His size, the way he can keep it coordinated, all that. Since he was a teenager, he had all this pressure on him to become like the chosen one. The second he entered the league, he was a top 10 player already. I mean, immediately, you're like, holy crap, this guy's amazing. A few years later, he's in the NBA Finals. But what I think separates him as a great like the greatest athlete of all time is that he is a winner, a culture changer. He's went to nine, he went to nine straight NBA finals. It could have been 10 or even 11 after this last year, had he not got hurt with his foot injury on Christmas. He's won four titles. Yes, I know it's not six like Jordan, but he's been to 10 championships. He's been the MVP of all four. And whenever he leaves a team, they suck. Whereas the team that he goes to becomes instant contenders and usually the favorite to win to the, you know, like really getting the golden ticket to the NBA finals. So from Cleveland to Miami, back to Cleveland, and now with the Lakers, he's won everywhere he's gone and is always the best player, not just on his team, but on the court at all times. And even at 36, Jordan, like you said, he took time off. I take that a little bit away from him thinking that, Maybe he needed the time off, whether it was mental. I know that he had his trials and tribulations, his father, a terrible thing, all sorts of that. But then he went to baseball immediately, didn't do such a good job over there, even though some people said that he could have done well, yada, yada. He took all that time off, whereas LeBron has played meaningful basketball games for 82 games during the regular season and countless more in the postseason to the fact that he's going to the finals every year and is playing the most games out of anybody over the past 10, 11, 12 years by far. It's not even close. So the mileage on his legs has already surpassed MJ a long time ago. The fact that he plays, again, full regular seasons, you know, for the most part, you know, whether it's he did play one full 82, but he's always around, you know, 76, 77 games, which is completely normal. People need time off. And he's still the best basketball player right now at age 36. So when I say that he's a culture changer, that he's gone to three different teams and, you know, back to Cleveland being one of them and winning a championship in Miami, Cleveland, and with the Lakers and could win another one this year. This guy is a winner no matter where he goes. And when you talk about the single individual athleticism of him, he makes everybody around him better. And those four categories that you had, D, he hits every single one of them. So I take nothing away from Jordan staying with the Bulls his whole career, except for Washington, which a lot of us don't count. But still, you made the point. He averaged 20 points a little bit over. But whenever LeBron goes somewhere, he ultimately immediately makes them a championship team. And it's just amazing to me how he always does it and how he's a team player. Yeah, he gets fired up, but so does Tom Brady and so does Michael Jordan, for that matter. And you need to have that if you are going to be a great so that's why I went with LeBron James, because he's done it in multiple places, just like Brady did for the second time with Tampa Bay. 
So do you see my reasoning behind that, Damien? I'll ask you first. Yeah, no, it's definitely a great argument behind LeBron. I've been struggling between the whole GOAT debate on basketball with LeBron. He's definitely gotten so close to Jordan now that I go back and forth between those two. And his longevity is part of that. The fact that he's in year 18 and he's still the best player in the league right now is absolutely nuts. Um, You mentioned how he's made it to so many NBA finals and his impact on the game comes from free agency as far as taking his talents to South Beach and creating that team with D. Wade and Chris Bosh. Some people think it's a bad impact, right? Because that led to eventually Kevin Durant going to Golden State and how players know that they're going to be judged by championships and how you need to join with other people to have a better chance to win, right? You didn't see it as much when Jordan was playing, but it definitely was a different era as far as free agency. Um, But his impact is definitely known for that. His impact is stretching the game further from what Jordan did. Like um, the one of the reasons I picked Jordan over him as far as the greatest athlete was I think Jordan's impact was bigger. Like when you think about Jordan, Nike pre-Jordan made track shoes. Uh, They made shoes for you to walk in. (laughs) And then after Jordan became a basketball shoe company. And now you have players who have, you have, probably 20 players in the league right now who have a signature shoe with either Nike, Adidas, Reebok, whoever. And it all started with Jordan. Now they had people who had signature shoes before Jordan, but it blew up with Jordan. Like Magic had his shoe. I think Bird had a shoe as well with Converse, but Jordan made it blow up and it changed the whole culture. You didn't have shoe heads pre Jordan. And now it's a whole culture. It's a whole thing sneaker heads and you flipping shoes and you buying them and holding them until they're worth more. That's Jordan. Like that all started with Michael Jordan. So I think his impact on the game of basketball and the business of basketball was bigger than LeBron's, but LeBron's impact has been major, especially when you think about his impact as far as uh, players being more socially conscious as well and being willing to speak up. So I definitely can't be mad at the argument at all. For me, I go back and forth on those two. And even on my show, I said I could have went LeBron number one. I, for me, Jordan's my – the reason I picked up a basketball is Michael Jordan. So part of it is emotional with Jordan as well. I will admit that. Sure. Um, but it's – yeah, it's LeBron is a great argument. I can't say anything against it at all. <laughs> all right. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, Nikki, I loved your choice. And, you know, it's a different direction, obviously. But, um, you know, MJ and LeBron, they're always going to be, you know, basically synonymous with each other. So it's, you know, it's hard to pick either one. But, um, yeah, I think LeBron's impact has been, you know, obviously incredible. And like I say, you know, when he goes to a team, they become instant contenders and the team he leaves behind turns to crap. (laughs) I think you guys both make uh, really, really good points. And it is, it's actually really tough to just pick the greatest athlete of all time because, you know, we're, you guys have the same sport, but you know, you could pick from different sports and different skill sets, different measurements, different times of playing. Like that really should count for something. Right. Cause like D said, Jordan starts sneaker culture and that is like exploded, but then LeBron is playing in this time where, you know, socially he's pushing, you know, agendas forward and that is very much needed. So um, I mean, it's a cop out, but for the, the time that they're playing, they're both great in their own way. Yeah, of course. And you know what? If one of you guys would have said Tiger Woods, when you talk about cultural impact and 
impact on sport in general? I mean, you had kids weren't watching golf until Tiger Woods came along. I mean, no so one's watching I, golf. Nobody's <laughs> watching golf unless you're like 70 years old and you know you're going out fishing later, but you want to catch a little golf first or something like that. But oh boy. so, it, <laughs> but I, I just don't consider golf a sport, and I don't think you have to be an athlete to do that. Even though Tiger seems to be an athlete and in really good shape, so. Yeah, there are other guys. And again, it's how you weigh it. You go by championships, then it's, you know, it's Bill Russell, or do you go by what you see on the field? Like, you know, I keep saying, like, I'm bowing down to Tom Brady now, but I still think that Patrick Mahomes in the end is is better than him. Aaron Rodgers is better than him. I thought John Elway was better than him. But sometimes when stats are weighed against, you know, your, your thoughts or your opinions, it's really kind of hard to argue because those are the only things that we have to go on these sometimes because everything else really just is an opinion. Yeah, no, sometimes you, you know, you're splitting atoms at this point when you talk about these great athletes. Uh, when I was doing mine, I went back and forth between should I choose Michael Jordan or Floyd Mayweather, right? Me being, oh. a, big bo- me being a big boxing guy, Floyd Mayweather, somebody else who his resume is so impressive. He beat over 20 champions and he's only had a handful of fights that were actually close, right? Most of them he dominated, right? right? When you think about the one reason, one of the big things I brought up is the fact that he dominated Canelo Alvarez and Canelo is now the top guy in boxing, right? So you think about the fact that he did that to the guy who is now the face of boxing. It's like, dang, how do you not have him as the greatest athlete of all time in a sport where you're literally fighting for your life in the ring? It's... Yeah, so there's so many criteria to it, but like I said, Serena, she came up as well. Like I said, I put at number four right behind Deion Sanders on my list. It's it's tough, man. It's tough when you talk about the greatest athlete of all time, but it definitely shouldn't go by number of championships in a team sport if you don't play, if you are supported by a defense, right? right. So for me, that's why I was kind of annoyed by the whole narrative of Tom Brady being the greatest athlete of all time. When I think I could beat him in a 40 yard dash, like I just, you for sure can. <laughs> so, <laughs> so for me, that was the part that kind of, I was like, ah, I can't really go that far with Tom Brady. Yeah. I, I hear you. Look, maybe he's the most accomplished athlete of all time, but he's certainly not the greatest. And like you said, he's, you know, he's way behind when it comes to the athleticism part of it, but what he makes up for it is, you know, brain power, you know, whatever it is, you know, he just obviously gets the job done. But yeah, I mean, even if you said Jim Brown, a guy who dominated football yeah. for a before he hung it up, I mean, there are just so many guys that we can go to. And I like the individual aspect of it. Like you brought up boxing and Nikki bringing up Serena. I mean, those are the ones that you really can judge easier than obviously a team sport because they're just out there for themselves running for their life and you know doing everything that they can and they have nobody to depend on they're playing offense and defense unlike football but in basketball you play offense and defense hockey offense defense baseball is just obviously whatever now it's you know we don't really even talk about it at this point but it is what it is so I love that we all had different answers and all for good reasons so we're going to keep this thing rocking we still have Mount play a play to get to this week, it is top moments of the playoffs. We got knowledge with Nikki, some unpopular opinion, and then we'll close it out with a little Brady Mahomes legacy talk. So we're going to take a 30-second break. We're going to come back, and we're going to get right into Mount Play a Play, baby. See you in 30. Hot air. Hot air. 
today in the musical love and life third and three podcast nfl style all the way mixing in some basketball and even some tennis in there with the greatest athletes of all time damian had mj nikki had serena and i went with lebron i want to hear what you guys got to do what what do you think third and three podcast hit us up on twitter or you can hit our individual uh timelines over there we'll give them out at the end of the show but we got more to go. It's Mount Play Play time, guys, and it's top moments of the playoffs. I actually had more than I would think, you know, but I got them like in this sudden flash flood of, of, of games and then plays stuck out of my mind. So I got plenty and I'm ready to roll. So just in case any of you guys say any of mine, I got backup. So if you're ready to do this, Nikki, ladies first, what's your number four playoff moment of this season? Okay, so just to kind of preface this, I chose my moments, not that we have to explain it, but it'll make sense. I chose my moments on ones that made me laugh. So they're just Uh quick little moments. I don't have anything like super analytical about them. Um, But my first one is Buffalo, Kansas City, 3.30 left in the game, third and 10. Josh Allen's like trying to hold Kansas City off, right? Okafor's jawing at him. Play is blown dead, right? But, and Josh Allen, you know, gets knocked out anyway. Not happy about it. He's petty as petty can be. Throws the football right at his head, right? We got three (laughs) minutes to go. This fight comes out of nowhere. Allen, Feliciano, Deion Dawkins, Quentin Jefferson all get personal fouls. And you're just like, what the F just happened? But when you watch it back, the football to the head and Tony Romo combined saying, Oh, that's not very nice. Like, and it's just a hysterical moment. And he just looked like a kid that was like, man, F you, like, take this ball in the head. <laughs> so that was my number four moment. Uh, well, I definitely remember that. I remember commenting on that. The Bills showed no class in that one, Damien. And Josh Allen was just way too pissed off. Yep, I remember he just flicked it right in his helmet. Like, here you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's definitely a, a very unintentional comedy moment. So I love that one. I like that. Nick, uh, Nick, yeah, I like your theme. I can't wait to hear more. All right, D, what do you got for four? For my number four, I call him T. Henny. You may call, you may think of him as Taylor Heineke from the, <laughs> the Washington football team, but I thought that was a great moment. T. Henny balling out against his eventual Super Bowl champion, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and that one, you may forget about this in the long run, but that was a, a good game against the yeah. Washington football team in the wild card round. You got a team that's under 500 with their third, fourth quarterback of the, of the year going out there. And he balled out and really made a name for himself. He just got signed um, to a two-year extension recently. So he definitely made an impact in that game. So my number four moment is my man T. Henney balling out against Tampa Bay Buccaneers for Washington. All right, look at that. Damien already gave you a nickname. There it is. <laughs> yeah, the quantum leap prediction's coming next, T. Henny. Watch out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, very good. My number four was one of my favorite plays of the entire season, let alone playoffs, and that's when Green Bay called 
a fantastic play at the goal line where they had Devontae Adams go right across, shoot across in a straight line. Jalen Ramsey was trying to go with him, but he had to weave in and out of the defense. That's exactly what Matt LeFleur knew was going to happen, and it ended up working out to score a touchdown. I just thought that was a beautiful design play right there. So moment, whatever you want to call it, against one of the best cornerbacks who really just didn't have time to get over to him, and it was a perfectly timed throw, route, everything by Rodgers and Devontae Adams. So I just thought that was an absolutely brilliant play and it deserved to be in my top four. So that's why it's there. What do we got for number three, Nick? For number three, we have Bucks Saints, okay? A little bit less than five minutes in the fourth. Brady carries it in outside of the one for a touchdown, right? Bucks take the lead. Brady's running around, giving high fives. Goes to high five the ref. The ref is just like, yeah, no, bro, sorry. Just completely shuts him out of the high five. And he just turns around to the next teammate, gets his high five. But I love it because for some reason, when people miss on a high five or they're just shut out of it, it's so weird and awkward <laughs> and hysterical to me. So that was my number three funny moment of the playoffs. I like it. Well done. All right. Very good. Very good. All right, D, let's see your three. My number three is, you know, it was a bad moment at first when, you know, Patrick Mahomes got hurt. But after that, we found out that anything is possible. <laughs> <laughs> Chad Henney came into the game. Uh, he threw a horrible interception, um, but made up for it with a very hard run on a third and 14. You could tell he was giving it everything he had on that run. And then the fourth and one where we found out that Andy Reid has the balls the size of the earth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they call that fourth and one play on a pass to go ahead and seal the game against the Browns. So that's my number three moment when we found out that anything is possible with Chad Henney. So creative. It. You guys are so creative. I'm jealous. <laughs> that is well done, D. Yeah, you're right. Andy Reid has balls of steel. <laughs> <laughs> that we ain't playing. Unbelievable. All right, uh, my number three, Bucks score before halftime against the Packers in the NFC Championship with a Scotty Miller caught that ball. Such an important play and moment and perfect timing of the call by Byron Leftwich, where basically Green Bay thought that they were just going to try to run it out to the clock, get a field goal, go in. Nope, Scotty Miller freaking takes off to the end zone. Perfect throw by Tom Brady. Perfect call. Again, was not expected by the Packers' defense, and that ultimately is really what took charge because then from there, Green Bay's playing from way behind, and it's a whole different story, and Tampa ended up doing what they did. So I'm going with that play. I like the creativity. I like the mindset, and that's why I'm going with these certain plays over here. So that'll be my number three. I like that one a lot. No, that's a really good play. That was honestly the difference in the game. Yeah, it, re- it absolutely was. So that, that one stuck out to me from the second that it happened until even right now when we're talking about it, no doubt. All right, number two, Nikki, let's hear it. Number two is, we already talked about it, uh, the streaker, obviously, (laughs) was freaking hysterical. Um, Kevin Harlan's call made it even a million times better. And please, somebody get this on a T-shirt, a mug. I need to have, pull up your pants, take off the bra, and be a man on my coffee (laughs) mug, on my T-shirts. I need it. It was one of the best moments of the playoffs. Oh man, hilarious. I loved it when he said, pull up your pants, my man. Yeah. 
<laughs> that, yeah, that's really sick. And it, it's funny, usually you don't catch them on TV. Usually the camera will pan away, but that dude was streaking for real. He was coming right down the field. They had nothing to do. They couldn't stop him, man. That's awesome. All right, Damian, number two. So for my number two, it goes to the Bills Mafia after Lamar Jackson got hurt in their game and they went out and donated to his charity. Mm. Awesome moment right there. And you just got to love seeing that come from, even if they're doing it in a weird way as far as, as far as, you know, just they're showing off, but it's still saying that they're the best fan base out there. So you got to give some love to Bill's mafia for doing that for Lamar Jackson's charity. Absolutely. No doubt about it. I mean, I, I, I never even heard of something like that before. So I thought that was fantastic. That was great. And speaking of the Bills, for my number two, I'm going with that 100-yard return by Tayron Johnson for a touchdown off of uh, Lamar Jackson, as a matter of fact, an interception, which tied my man George T's record in a playoff game for 101-yard return for a touchdown. And obviously that was the game right there. They were up 10-3 to at that point. And the game is closing down a little bit, and boom, there you go. Johnson just ends everything, scores 17-3, to game is over. So that is as clutch a play as you can make, and to take it out, knowing that you got some, you know, you got some room and you can make a play out of this. He made it happen. If he had got tackled at the five-yard line, he probably would have got, you know, chewed out on the, uh, on the, on the sideline, but he made it happen. 101 yards, that's my number two right there. Nikki? It's time for numero uno. Okay. My number one is Nickelodeon style football. I don't know if <laughs> you guys have watched this, but like, first of all, ESPN, where's your marketing team? Way to drop the ball. Where's ESPN Junior? Okay. You could have up and coming kids who want to get in a broadcast booth, be mentor. Like, what are you guys doing? What are you all doing? Okay. But anyway, <laughs> it is. Um, like, have you guys watched it? It's brilliant, right? The field goal comes up. SpongeBob pops up there, right? They're getting slimed. They don't show the players. They have, like, the little box heads, right? And they're doing their little touchdown celebration mm-hmm. dance. The little dirt kick uh, emoji graphics. Look like a freaking video game from, like, 1988, okay? Like, it looks like I'm playing Nintendo. It is <laughs> trippy. It is weird. It is hysterical and glorious all at the same time. <laughs> I love it. That is great. <laughs> so well put. Yeah, I, I caught a couple of glimpses of it. And I, yeah, I just saw neon colors all over the place. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go blind. So I'm going back to the other thing. But it was definitely cool. So I'm with you there. I'm with you there. All right. We got two number ones left. Damien, let's hear yours. My number one, the Browns finally getting out of the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> and, get, and getting themselves a a playoff win for the first time since 1994 man that in the way they won the game though up 28 nothing you know if you blinked you missed it and they were up 28 to nothing yeah. in that game crazy win but the fact that the browns got a playoff victory in this century gotta give a shout out to them <laughs> for that one man so that's my number one moment no doubt. That's why Kevin Stefanski is the coach of the year. Yep. They ran the ball. They played good defense. And, you know, it was tough for them at times, but definitely, yeah, man, they made the playoffs and even won a game to many people's surprise. So that's a great one. My number one, Damien, you already talked about it. So I'll switch it up a little bit, but it was Chad Henney, that run. And then 
again, Andy Reid having the balls of steel to allow Chad Henney, the backup, who, again, who's been around for like 12 years already or whatever it is, to throw that pass to Tyree Kill. I, I, I mean, that that's incredible. That's just, we're going to go win this game. We're not going to play it safe. You know, we're just going to go in and we know we can get this done. And they did it. But the clear-cut number one, to me, has to be Tom Brady getting his seventh ring now. And again, all that talk between him and MJ, the best athlete, moving over our best athletes already. Now he's got seven rings. I know that he's lost three, whatever. But I mean, just for again, for him to go over to a brand new team and not just him. I know Gronk went there, obviously Fournette, Antonio Brown. They got other players, whatever it is. But again, for him to go over there and win the MVP in a brand new conference, brand new team where they had struggles in the year trying to figure out how exactly they're going to play. Bruce Arians finally deferred and let Brady and Leftwich figure it out, and they did it, man. So seventh ring to Brady, just absolutely unbelievable. But, yes, my number one overall was the way that Chad Henney and Andy Reid teamed up over there. So great job all around, guys. I like that. Nikki, I like I like your theme with the laughter. That was Thanks. Very, very cool. Well, we know what time it is now, right? I know you guys know. Don't even try to play like you don't know. It's time to get tricky over here. And the best way to do that is knowledge with Nikki. It is getting tricky time. It's about to happen right now. Let's get down with it. The music is coming. Nikki, what's our theme today? Valentine's Day. Oh, (laughs) Oh, that I do so well with every single year. Why'd you get me this for? I didn't ask for that. That. (laughs) <laughs> knowledge with Nick. This is my recital. I think it's very vital to rock around that bike on top of tricky. Here we go, Nick. Change the rock around, to rock around. That's right, on top is tricky. Tricky, 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 tricky. All right, tricky Nikki with knowledge with Nikki Valentine's Day style. Oh boy, D. Here we go, man. It's. <laughs> Yeah, I'm glad my wife's not listening right now because I'm probably going to get all these wrong. <laughs> yeah, you got to tell her that this show got, you know, somehow erased from the iCloud or something like that. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. So first up this week is me. I don't uh, know. Must say, I can't remember. No, I think it's Damien. Jay, I think you went first last week. Okay. Sounds great. I will I will jump in front of the lion's den first. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Four questions each for you guys. Damien, how many Valentine's Day cards are exchanged each year? Wow. Jesus Christ. I'm going to say 10 million. Jay? I'm going to say 600 million. One billion. One billion? Wow. One billion. <laughs> I thought he was off he, I thought he was being crazy. And he was he was actually close. He's low, <laughs> He's low end of crazy. Wow. Okay. Billion, God. All right, D. What percent of women would end their relationship if they didn't get something for Valentine's Day? Wow. Wow. That's a good question. I'm going to say 
um I did forget one year so I'm glad that my wife isn't one of those (laughs) (laughs) um I'm going to say 35 percent Jay now I guess we're about to find out how petty women are right now so here we go um what percentage of women end relationships due to not getting a I'm going to say 17 percent 50 50? 50? It's 50-50, uh, boys. Are... Very careful out there. You guys wow. are horrible. You are now, me, so... I don't really care about Valentine's Day. <laughs> I just want a cupcake from my favorite cupcake place. That's all I ask for from my husband, and he delivers, and it's all good. <laughs> there you well, go. Um, see, that's why you're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> all right, D, let's try for question number three. Um, what year was Valentine's Day officially declared a holiday? Oh, wow. Um, so what year did Hallmark pay off the government? Um, (laughs) 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 Uh, I'm going to say 1952. Jay? I wrote down 1939. Okay, 1537 by King Henry VII. Ah, Henry VII. Wow. All right. He didn't know what it was going to turn into. (laughs) He didn't know that it was going to turn into this thing where we had to go out and spend money just because somebody said it's a romantic day. (laughs) That's it. We're going to have to go dig up his grave and tear him limb from limb from doing this to us. Oh my God, this is hysterical. Um, all right, Dave, let's maybe get question four. I think you might. What is the Guinness world record for the longest marriage ever recorded? Wow, Oof. that's a good question. Longest marriage ever recorded. So I'm going to say they had a couple that got married really young and lived to be 100. So I'm going to go with 85 years. You are so 86. I'm going to give it to you. I was, it's like, it's so close. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. D nice job. I was thinking the same. I wrote down 82. So you would have been closer anyway. Good job, brother. Yes, sir. Got me one. Got one. Just so your wife can be proud. You got the marriage one. Correct. That's all that matters. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) He's safe for another night, folks. (laughs) Jay, are you ready? No, but let's do it anyway. Let's do it. Well, speaking of marriage, Jay, what is the average number of marriage proposals on Valentine's Day each year? Holy Moses. I won't be anywhere near. Uh, Okay, but average number of marriage proposals in the whole world each year? Yep. (laughs) This should be funny. Um, I'm going to be so off. It's ridiculous. But let's go with 12 million. D? I'm going to say there are 40 million very unoriginal men out there. <laughs> <laughs> Only 220,000. Oh, wow. Wow. Because <laughs> okay. I thought it'd be a lot more than that because I, I, you see the videos every year and you're like, really? Valentine's Day? That's when you did it? Right. Really? <laughs> it's like, Don't you didn't know, do it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, any guys like, out there thinking about proposing next Sunday, don't do it. I'm telling you, it's cheesy. Don't do it. <laughs> yes, don't. Follow the women's advice. Do not do That's it. Right. But I, say, I got engaged on Seco de Mayo. We were drunk. Great time. Nice. 
Listen to the woman. Very, very. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Jay. Question number two. Worldwide, how many roses are given for Valentine's Day each year? Wow. Hmm. All right. This is just quick math, obviously. All right. How many roses are given each year worldwide? Yep. I will go with five billion. D? That's actually not too crazy. Uh, I've, you know, my, with my thinking with people having to get a dozen and then you're going to have the rich guys go all crazy and get like 40. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to say, I'm going to say 1 billion. 50 million. 50 million. 50 million. Oh, okay. I thought, yeah, because I figured there's been a few years where I went out and got 12. And I know like people who actually make a lot more money than I make (laughs) probably went out and got a lot more. Yeah, that was my (laughs) money. Yeah. And then what do you do with all these dead flowers? Like, that's that's my argument there. They're just going (laughs) to (laughs) die. They're just going to die. They're pretty. You know, like when I was getting married and they told me how much the flowers were, I almost fell over. I'm like, they're freaking <laughs> flowers. Like they're beautiful, but like it's Miami. We have beautiful scenery here anyway, naturally for free. <laughs> yeah, we didn't get flowers. for our, our, We didn't get real flowers for our wedding either. It's not worth it. So if you're listening, you're about to get married. Do not do the flowers because people are just going to lose them and throw them around anyway. No doubt. I totally agree. That's what I say. You get flowers, man. Same shit. All good. <laughs> All right, Jay. Number three, who created the first Valentine's Day box of chocolates? Oh, wow. Hershey's? No. D? That's a, that's a really good guess. I have no, like, he actually, <laughs> like, found something that made sense. I have no idea <laughs> where, to, where to go with this one. This might be one of my favorite knowledge with Nikki's. Um, it's hysterical. Uh, Richard Cadbury. The Cadbury um, Chocolate Company. Bunny. Oh, oh wow. yeah. Cadbury Bunny. Yeah, I never would have got that in a million years. That's a that's a good one. Interesting. All right. More knowledge. Okay. One more for you, Jay. All right. Got to right. get it. You got to get it. What is the average amount of money a man spends on Valentine's Day gifts? That's a good question. Average amount of money a man spends on Valentine's Day gifts. All right, I'm going to have to take myself out of this one and try to think about other people. Um, I'm because you're above average, Jason. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm glad somebody said it. I'm going to go with 200. What was that? 200. D? I'm going to go a little lower and say 60. 130. 130. Mm-hmm. Kind of like right in the middle over there. All right, I suck. I'm so, old- so the key is, like, I'm not spending 130, but I'm getting good gifts. So you got to be creative, people. Yeah. <laughs> be creative <laughs> and find something that, like, she's like, oh, my God, the thought that you put into this, and you don't have to spend that much money. Like, that's because people are spending way too much money on Valentine's Day gifts. I, I, I totally agree. Yeah, if you get something meaningful, like that she maybe had mentioned, you know, a, a couple of times here and there or something like that, and you remember, that goes a long, long way. No doubt. Let me tell you, it it sure does. Because I know my lemon cupcake and my coconut cupcake will be there this weekend. Like, 
it, if you guys listen and it's like something we have mentioned, right? Because we just think men don't listen, right? Um, and I'm sure men think a lot of things about women. But if you guys actually do and you show up with like the little thing that we mentioned, I, I mean, just the fact that like maybe you took the trip to Target on your way home from work and you stopped in, you saw the little mug that I wanted. That is going a very long way, if you know what I no mean. No doubt. No <laughs> doubt. That's why Definitely. I carry pad and pen everywhere I go. I'm not gonna you, you know it'll be pen. the better question though, Nikki. What? How much are women spending on Valentine's Day? Why oh! we're out here going, we're out here going broke. <laughs> we're out here going broke. Women out here buying us ties and socks. <laughs> and we're, we're out here going broke for Valentine's Day. Step it up, ladies. Step it up. <laughs> yeah, ladies, step it up. Well, I took my husband to dinner last weekend because we're not paying Valentine's Day prices. We're just not doing that. And he very just smart. wants very um, smart. like a big Reese's heart. So that's like, we're very simple. That's the thing. Men, we're very simple. Simple. So you get us something like that, like a big Reese's heart, or you just dress up in lingerie that you already bought, like something yeah. like <laughs> something <laughs> like, like that. <laughs> like that's all we want. <laughs> Freaking awesome! Absolutely love. It. Oh, that was great. That was beautiful. Again, we don't mind getting them wrong, man, because we have a lot of fun and we get the knowledge with it too. That's freaking excellent. Well done, Nikki. Well done. Yes, we gave you Valentine's Day advice, marriage advice, wedding planning about all these things you get on the third and three podcast. Yeah, we yeah, do it all, baby. Should have talked to D like about a year ago, you know. But, but D- <laughs> <laughs> I know they're working out well over there. I have no doubt. I have no doubt. Some things don't work out well, and those are unpopular opinions. So we're going to give them right now, and uh, we're probably going to leave the show there. We may get into a little something after, but we'll see how time permits for tonight, guys, because it is getting late. We are hungry, and we've given you all the goodies already, but unpopular opinion time we love this segment over here because we can go anywhere it doesn't have to be sports it could be movies it could be food whatever we want well last week i said i hated mashed potatoes so let's <laughs> all right nikki what do you got what's your unpopular opinion this week my unpopular opinion i just want to follow up to last week when i said i liked mondays Somebody on my timeline also agreed, said they like Mondays, and somebody called her a psychopath. And I would just like to say, (laughs) we are not. We are overachievers, okay? Stop being a slacker. Get up and get your week going. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) That's right, Nikki. (laughs) My unpopular opinion is um, something that irks the hell out of me, and I'll probably get tomatoes tossed at me, but... All Christmas and holiday decorations should be taken down by midnight on December 26th. Oh, wow. Like that, huh? Yeah, no, it's got to. Yeah. Well, you guys, it has to be strict because like I look around my neighborhood and like three houses down from me, they saw a freaking Santa Claus up. Like uh, it's going to be Valentine's Day. Why is Santa up? I don't understand (laughs) that. Take down the Christmas lights, take down the Santa and the reindeer and the inflatable snowman. I don't understand what we're doing. Christmas was a long time ago. Is it children's holiday anyway? Like I just want to put citations on everybody's door for unsightly decorations because it's ridiculous at this point. I, I don't know if you're lazy or what you're doing but you cannot have decorations up and january don't give me this like oh we celebrate the 12 days of christmas and we have little no you don't unless you're giving me like (laughs) five golden rings and the partridge and the pear tree you're not celebrating 12 days of christmas who's coming over every day to give you a present nobody is okay so stop 
take it down December 26th, go into the new year with no clutter and start fresh. Wow. She brought the fire right there on that one. Wow. Okay. You see, now I'm, I'm going to disagree a little bit, but I'm also going to agree a lot of it. I, the, the day after, I don't know, maybe people are a little tired, you know, it's still the season. I say, you know, sometime within a week after the new year, I'm good. But by now, if you still have them up, Nikki, I'm totally in agreement. I would actually, yeah, go door to door or lawn to lawn and start popping those inflatable things. And throw them <laughs> in the yeah, it, it, it's time to get rid of them. So I'm, I'm with you. The only thing that should ever remain is a mistletoe. That's about it. Okay. <laughs> a mistletoe can be like a Valentine's Day decoration. I can see that. Um, <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, I definitely see where you're coming from, Nikki. I would go more on Jason's side. If it's not down by January 7th, that's when things get popped and destroyed. <laughs> like, you <can't, laughs> if, you, if, it's not, if it's not down by then, I see you. Like, in Louisiana, people try to say, like, oh, I have, all, I have up my Mardi Gras lights. Stop it. It's not Mardi Gras lights. <laughs> Mardi Gras colors aren't even Christmas colors. And they try to act like they have all Mardi Gras lights for the parade. Like, stop it. It's not, you're not, the parade doesn't even come down your street. Stop it. <laughs> that, so that's one thing that I, people would always say that, oh, we have Mardi Gras lights. No, you don't. You're just too lazy to take down your Christmas lights. So yeah, I'm with you on that one, Nikki. All right. I dig it. Very good, Nick. Very good. All right, D, unpopular opinion time. All right, so my unpopular opinion is going to be very unpopular today. Ooh. And there's going to be some people who may not even like me after I say this. Oh, shit. But I do not care about your dogs. Do not yes. like... <laughs> yes! Yes! <laughs> so I hate it when I'm talking to somebody and they're telling me about what I think is a child. <laughs> and it turns out to be their dog there's nothing more in the world i hate than that they're like oh i have to go feed the little one you know he's you know i have my they'll even say like oh i have you know my brother babysitting and da, da, da. <laughs> i'm like oh let me see a picture of the baby and then they show me a picture <laughs> of their chihuahua i get so <laughs> mad i get so upset <laughs> when that happens your pet is not a person it's a pet <laughs> okay and i'm not the biggest dog lover anyway so now i have to act like i like dogs because you're so enthralled with your dog oh it's cute what kind of dog is it oh then i have to hear about how it's a mixture of 17 different breeds of dogs <laughs> like i hate it so much all right your dog's not a person okay and dogs in general can be so just much, so too much. All right. They stink. They leave hair all over the place. Yes. Like for, I never got the urge to have a dog as a pet. I have my, my grandmother loves them. She has three of dogs and she's had dogs for years. Like she's had like three die because she's had dogs for so long. And I just never got it. I'm like, you got, there's certain people who are afraid of dogs. So you got to put them away. They're barking the whole time where you have guests over. It's just way too much. And they, a dog is like a baby that doesn't grow up. So imagine if you had a kid. Can't kick him out at 18. <laughs> yeah, you can't, you can't kick him out. But the, the dog stays at the infant stage. So imagine if you had a baby that never grew up and you had to, they had to depend on you forever. They never grew up to have an awesome podcast like this. They just stayed <laughs> at two years old forever. 
That's what a dog is. A dog is a baby that doesn't grow up. I don't get the urge to have a dog and your dog is not your kid. It's not, okay? It's a pet, all right? So don't talk about your pet as if it's your real actual baby. I hate it so much. That, that's the part I'm extremely on board with you with. Please don't call your pet a kid, whether it's a dog, a cat, a, a freaking snake. I don't give a crap. Don't, don't call your pet a kid. It's not your child. I got to go feed the little one. I love that. So <laughs> pet parents where they're like, I'm a dog mom. Like, yeah, yeah, right. what are you doing? No, D, I'm with you. Like, I can't stand it. I'm not an animal person. Like, you're messing up my house. You're trying to eat my shoes and shit. Oh, no, we're not having hair everywhere. <laughs> like, no, I, I'm I am with you 100%. I don't even really like animals that much. Like, bunnies are cute to look at. That's about it. Yeah, well, I, I hate cats uh, with a passion because um, anything has an I'm live. Uh, you know, keep away from me. <laughs> but I do love dogs. I love dogs. But I, I definitely see your point, especially with the with being children thing. I mean, get, get the hell out of here already. You know, a dog is a dog is a pet. It could be your best buddy. Leave it at that. Don't make it any more. And, you know, God forbid when the thing dies, you don't have to have a whole funerary thing where you invite the whole family over and have, you know, it's, it's a dog. So kind of the birthday parties. Right? Yeah, right. Birthday <laughs> Oh, the dog with the little birthday hat. Stop it. Yeah, right. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> yeah, I meanwhile, the dog's like, get this thing off my freaking Yeah, the hate. dog has no idea what's going on. Right. And you're celebrating the dog's birthday. Poor thing. Now the dog <laughs> licks the cake. You can't even eat the cake because the dog didn't lick the cake. Yep, that's it. All <laughs> over. Appetizer done. Sheep. That is good. All right. I like where you guys went with this stuff. This is good. I, I am not going to be able to top it, but. I will say a certain unpopular opinion. There's no doubt about it because I know how many people love it, but Star Wars sucks, all right? I think that Star Wars is terrible. I get that people liked it in the 70s because it was different, but first of all, the most important part to me is that this is supposed to be like a kid, teenager-type movie, and they have incest in it. Luke bangs his sister, Princess Leia. What the hell is going on there? Who, who, a brother and a sister getting together, no good. What kind of freaking message is that to send to your kids? No wonder people think they see Bigfoot and aliens because there's incest going on all over the place because of that damn movie. There's no real plot, especially with the ones that they've been making like over the past decade, like Rogue This and Mandalorian and that and whatever all this crap is. I think Star Wars is terrible. The acting is absolutely horrible. None of them really ever made anything except for Harrison Ford and Chewbacca. So, I, I mean, any kid watching today would turn that movie off in two minutes. There's no plot, but they keep creating storylines that don't go anywhere. And these Comic-Con crap idiots who were like 70 years old and dressed up like Darth Vader are absolute morons. And not to mention the fact the guy who played Darth Vader didn't speak once in the whole movie. It was just James Earl Jones' voice on top of this big, tall, walking idiot going around in this freaking mask and breathing like he's on a respirator. I thought the whole thing was stupid from the Return of the Jedi and Empire Strikes Back and then the ones they made now. I never was a fan. I know there's Star Wars freaks all over the place, but I am not with it. Real quickly, are you guys Star Wars fans? No. So I'm going to have my Nikki moment. I have never watched Star Wars. Me neither. <laughs> I'm not, well, not all the way through. Like I, I usually catch the credits. I'm like, oh, okay. And yeah, good. people try to say like, oh, you should watch the TV show that's on Disney Plus now. Is it called Mandalorian or whatever? Yeah, yeah. And you'll get into it. And I'm like, uh, it's too late. 
Like yeah. I'm, 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 it's already passed me. I'm not going to get into it. So yeah, I'm definitely right there with you on your unpopular opinion. Like Nikki said, I haven't gotten through one all the yeah, way. Yeah. That, that ship has sailed a long time ago. That one's over. <laughs> And you know what else is over, unfortunately, for tonight? Our show, Third and Free Podcast, is out. But not before we say bye to our friends, our peoples, our representatives. And we got to give our shout-outs to the family over here. So, Nikki, let everybody know where they can find you. You can find me on Twitter, um, at Nikki Nick 9384 All right, Damien, give them the 411 with the show and all that. Yes, and make sure you follow Nikki if you are a fan of reality tv she's always bringing the good stuff i'm like i need to catch up on my below deck whenever yep. i see her tweeting um for me you can catch my show the real deal with damian adams on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this show on go ahead and subscribe now to the real deal with damian adams i definitely want to have nikki and jason on pretty soon just so we can you know shoot the shit on my show yep. as well and follow me on all social media platforms at the Real Deal WDA. That's the Real Deal W as in whiskey, D as in Delta, A as in Alpha. Absolutely, no doubt. You do an excellent job, man. You know it. You know it. I love. I absolutely love that stuff. And as for me, you can find me right here on this show. Obviously, I'm at Sports Profit One. That's the number one on Twitter. That's where I do most of my stuff. And also, I have the Power Thirty Two podcast that goes once a week. I'll have Josh McKinney on. Uh, next week and uh, I'm actually working on hopefully Richard Sherman so we'll see how that goes that's a possibility that happens I'd like to bring him on third and three I want us all that interview him so that would be a lot of fun but we'll see how all that goes but for now we are out guys we love you thank you for listening third and three podcast we'll see you next week peace bye